Hello and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this week's new episode of the Xbox Factor Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mr. Boomstick XL. And folks, we have an incredible show for you. Not only are we opening up with the lead topic on whether or not Microsoft needs to adopt a new way to show us and get us excited for games via you know, a Nintendo Direct style, but we're going to be talking about Cyberpunk 2077. That's right, folks. We just got a 31-minute display for the Xbox Series X and S, and we have a bunch of patch notes that we're going to break down. That uh, update is live. Whoa, pardon me for being rude. That was my Metal Gear Solid. That's right. They're (laughs) calling me in. Um and of course, man, I can't believe my phone was that loud, coño. Anyway, let's get into the introductions. Uh, we are going to be without Boxenberger. He did have some family and work stuff to take care of. He will be back with us next week. Uh, we have VJ joining the conversation on a full-time basis. He is here, but we're going to get bring him in on the back end because he is taking care of some family stuff. Let's get into who you see on your screen, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to start first with the Mav, who almost didn't make it, but thankfully, real life decided to take a pause, and he's here for our entertainment. Mav, what's going on, brother? How the heck are you? Pretty good, man. Uh, Dealing with some nonsense online right now. Other than that, dude, having a a good day. Um, Some awesome stuff happening in the world of cyberpunk has me a little excited, and... uh, Man, it's a good week for for gaming. Is is uh, we we found out on tidbits yesterday. We were looking through all the games coming out this week. I mean, this is a good week. It's a good week. So I'm excited to get into all this. And uh, uh, shout out to our newest panel member, BJ. Excited to be on the show with him in the future. And my brothers, uh, Pong and, and Joanna Dark. So it's gonna be a fun show. Looking forward to yep. it. Yeah, and it's great to have you a part of it, brother. Thank you so much for being here, as always. Uh, next up, Mr. Joanna Dark. Uh, we were, we actually, we had a podcast before the podcast. Uh, and if you were wondering what we were talking about, well, we are kind of uh, up in arms, like many people, regarding the shenanigans, if you will, known as Horizon Forbidden West, PS5 versus PS4. And Sony, well, Sony is doing what Sony does best and trying to snatch that $10 out of you no matter what. As a matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, on Friday mornings, Breakfast with Boom, we are going to have a return appearance of Hoag Law, who dropped an absolutely incredible video calling out SIE and letting people know that, hey, do not buy the PlayStation 5 version, because you can and will get that for free, even though Sony is doing their damnedest to make sure that you spent 70 bucks instead of 60 But, Joe in the Dark, how the heck are you? I'm good. The Forbidden Price boom, we can say that? The Forbidden Price. That is a, <laughs> oh man, you should definitely, uh, every time we Coin say that. it, I think you should get a nickel, absolutely, for I know, sure. Right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm great, you know, like everyone else, um, Great that Mav was able to make the show. VJ as well, welcome. Pong, as always, you're everywhere. You're like the Game Pass of podcasting. Um, I am. I am excited. Um, I've been playing Dying Light, and I'm loving it. You know oh, more yeah, of the too. game. And another game that has me really intrigued, and I can't wait, is Triangle Strategy. And I'm gonna say this, dude. If you love, if you love 
Final Fantasy Tactics. Yes. This is a sort of spiritual successor to that game. Yep. Um, I still want to find out if there's going to be like a, a an intriguing kind of job system. But overall, love it. Uh, I've been enjoying that. I just finished. Now I'm just waiting for my transfer, to, uh, my save to continue when it comes out on, uh, I think it's March 4th. Um, and besides that, I just, um, I'm excited for Cyberpunk, my second playthrough. Um, when I look at some of the updates they did, you know, it, it looks like a new game, but I'm happy that also people on console are going to get finally the experience that many PC players have been able to kind of get um, by having more beefier machines and, of course, being more stable for the PC audience. So just ready to talk about some of the subjects today and uh, happy to be here. Yeah, man, it's great to have you here. Big shout out to Caitlin in the chat. She's here, obviously. So thank you so much, Caitlin. Always a pleasure. Of course, we got to shout out the one and only Lethal Papa, walking the streets, talking the talk, and banning people as necessary. Of course, again, he walks silently, folks, and carries a very large band stick. Uh, but let's continue. Pong Soul, the man, the myth, the legend, the one that is everywhere. And also nowhere. I don't know how he does it, but he's here for your entertainment. Pong So, what's up, brother? How the heck are you? Oh, dude, great boom. Back at it on a Tuesday. We got VJ joining the crew. Are you serious right now? The man who influenced me while I was coming up in podcasting over the past year, year and a half now. Oh, man, this is a great day. Awesome to see you. Mav here, of course, my brother from another, and Mr. Joanna Dark. But look, Cyberpunk, my game of last generation. Yes, yes, I cheated and played it on current gen, but I love this game. I'm over 200 hours in. Still wow. have not completed my first playthrough. This is an amazing day. Finally, we get this next-gen patch. Hopefully, more people jump into it now and get to see for themselves if they like it or if they don't. Uh, I still think it's, like I said, my game of last <laughs> gen. I absolutely love this game. So this is a fantastic day, Boom. Plus, we got a lot of other stuff to talk about as well. Oh, so yeah. Let's get we, down we, to it, brother. We, we absolutely do. Let's welcome in the newest panel member. Uh, obviously, you knew him from the Thursday's Xbox Factor podcast that has been consolidated into one show. Hey, you like them apples? VJ. Welcome back, brother. How the heck are you? <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. Um, it's, it's great to be back, Boom. And uh, again, thanks for the opportunity. I, I really appreciate it. And um, thank you for everyone so, for such a warm welcome. And uh, I guess I'm looking forward to uh, everyone's thoughts on today's topics. I actually only like popped along to sort of double the European contingency, but it seems like Archimedes <laughs> has bailed out on me. <laughs> yeah, he'll be back next week. He's just handling some business, but it's great to have you here. Obviously, you know, he's, you spent some time on Breakfast with Boom, which is a little tough for you because obviously in the, the west coast where you are you know it's 7 a.m there and it's 10 a.m here now at least it's 9 a.m as opposed to 7 and you maybe have uh had a chance to have your spot or of tea or two uh <laughs> so you're more awake and ready to go but listen ladies and gentlemen i want to thank you so much for being here we have already 150 people here which is awesome and we're only seven minutes heck we're only into intros and to give, give people updates and i've been getting a couple of dms i am literally doing double duty today i have just finished recording all of my footage for upspec gaming's x screen review that's right folks by week's end i don't want to give a specific date because tonight i'm going to be burning the midnight oil and putting the video together it's probably going to run anywhere between 10 and 13 minutes i have a lot of footage uh i recorded footage of forza horizon 5 halo infinite and gears 5 uh and of course 
We're going to be showing, I'm going to be breaking down how easy it is to put, uh, put together a startup and show you uh, up close and personal screen uh, gameplay. That's going to be coming later this week. I'm hoping to have the video up and ready to rock and roll Thursday. Um, but listen, we have a lot to get into and I want to talk about cyberpunk. See, for me, uh, I've never played it. Uh, I simply decided to take a pause on a game that I felt was going to res res be better, um, enjoy more enjoyed, I should say, with the 1.5 patch that launched today. My brother, Neo Mental, has beaten it more times than I can count on one hand, and he's gotten every ending. I believe he's gotten all the achievements. It was one of his favorite games of last gen for sure. But let's break down, folks, exactly what uh, Cyberpunk 2077 version 1.5, the patch notes, have to bring to the table. And these are, of course, all next generation exclusives. They've added ray tracing to local light shadows. They implemented native achievement support on next gen consoles. They've added a performance mode that ensures smooth gameplay at 60 FPS with dynamic 4K scaling. They added ray, a ray tracing mode, uh, and that provides photorealistic shadows and reflections, uh, as well as rendering the gameplay at 30 FPS with dynamic 4K scaling. The Xbox Series S version, Little Man, has no graphics mode, uh, selection and is by default presented in 30 FPS at 1440p with dynamic resolution scaling. They also added balanced HDR to achieve parity across all platforms, various visual quality improvements, added um, activity cards for the PlayStation 5, but that really doesn't, uh, you know, is not important to us, added Spanish voiceover support for the Americas, uh, which is pretty awesome. Um, they also imp implemented, uh, um, let's see, what else? The, the addition, they added some addi additional content. They added additional apartments that are now available. Um, and uh, uh, listen, I, I could spend 20 minutes reading this. We're not going to get into it any further. I'm going to have all of the patch notes in the show note. So, uh, so when the, go the, the it goes on uh, you know, VOD, you can go and you can check it out for yourself. Pong, I want to go to you first. Yeah. You're one of our biggest fans of this company, this developer, more specifically this game. What does someone that has 200 hours that hasn't all finished the game because you were <laughs> waiting, what does this patch do for you? Yeah, I actually wasn't even waiting. This is just how I'm playing Cyberpunk because I'm enjoying myself so much. I mean, there's got to be at least 50 hours of photo time and just driving around the city, listening yeah. to music, taking in the sights. Uh, this patch means a lot. Like I said, hopefully now, because there's a lot of people just like you, Boom, who held off playing this game until this patch was going to show up. I've already seen people on Twitter saying, time to break it open, right? Yep. Time, time to finally dive into this. Crazy that it's coming this week, this month, with so many other games that are dropping as well, but it's just going to be—it's going to be great for people to finally hop into it and figure out if they enjoy it as much as me, or if it's somewhere less than that, or whatever the case may be. Again, CD Projekt Red. Make no mistake about it. These are one of the best Western RPG developers out there, okay? The Witcher 3 did not start in the best shape either, and they got that game to 
actually become one of the uh, best RPGs, according to a lot of people, that has ever been created, right? So they are known for doing this, whether that's right or wrong. We can have that discussion all day and twice on Sunday if you want to about whether or not it's acceptable for games to come out in states that are less than what they should be. Uh, That is something that we've seen time and time again and just more of as we've gone forward. But the fact remains that at its core, Cyberpunk 2077, again, I cheated. I played on current gen. I played on Series X. I did not play on a PS4 or an Xbox One, right? Which where a lot of the issues were. Again, also for me personally, I don't have a problem with bugs. As long as they don't cost me my time, like a save bug, and as long as they're not game-breaking, I don't have an issue with bugs. I've played all these decades through so many different games with all sorts of different things that are wrong, and it hasn't affected my experience. Now, I understand other people are more sensitive to them, and that can decrease uh, you know, how you feel about a game. I get that. For me, it's not that big a deal. Again, as long as you're not costing me my time, as long as you're not breaking my game, I'm cool with a lot of bugs. So Cyberpunk to me was a great experience. I didn't experience a lot of the things that people were experiencing elsewhere, thankfully. Uh, Mav always claims that I have a Magic Series X uh, console because a lot of the bugs that people show off in different games, I just don't have. Uh, So It's magic. Maybe it is. Maybe I got the Magic Xbox Series X. I don't know. But anyways. This game is something uh, that is phenomenal if you are into RPGs. If you love the Witcher side quests, I'm not going to say that. And again, for me, it's hard because I have different opinions than a lot of people do when they when they go out and experience these things. But the side quests in this game are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, sure, are there some that are not so great? Of course, whenever you create a game this big, there's going to be side quests that aren't that great. But man, so basically, the- you're saying like maybe going to find someone's leg. That yeah, that right, 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 right. But some of the side quests have have characters. Pong, yeah. Pong, yeah. Did you like the side quest where it felt like Dead Space with the AI and the car? Not to give oh, spoilers. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's yeah, yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the good ones right there. That's one of the good ones. There's a bunch of, like I said, I haven't even finished the game. So I'm still, I just found one the other night that I I had to complete. Some of these side characters as you come across in these side missions are almost better written than some of the main ones. And that's saying a lot because the main ones are freaking amazing, but there's so much to experience in this world. Cyberpunk is gigantic in the, in the, between the soundtrack, between just the atmosphere that they've created. It truly is special for me. Again, not everybody's going to agree on that, but for me, it is. It really is something that's, uh, you know, again, you can nitpick all day long. Do they reuse NPCs as you're walking down the street? If you walk enough, are you going to see doubles and triples of the same NPC? Of course you are. Yes, you you are. But that still, if, you, if you're if you not nitpicking, if you're not looking for those things, the atmosphere of walking through the city, it's one of the most alive-feeling cities in the world. Did I they mean, the over- truth is, the truth is, yeah. Pong, what, what game doesn't do that? Right, right, and, and, right, exactly. And I know they overpromised in a lot of areas. I get Honk. that CD Projekt Red was out there to crush it with this, and they really went out of their way to go ahead and they went up and beyond and 
And what that means is when a developer does that, sometimes they shoot for the moon and they just don't quite hit it, right? Hey, Punk, and they did that. Yeah, go ahead. Quick question. Do you think that this was, and I look at it this way with Cyberpunk, it was a No Man's Sky situation where a lot of the media hyped it up and made it where it wasn't supposed to be, and then everyone got behind uh, it. The game. I, I think, I think CD Project Red did that too. I mean, they, they <laughs> did, I think, yeah. but it, I think it's a both things because when I played, uh, you know, um, Cyberpunk, to me, Everybody thought it was going to be like GTA, but it's not. It's not. It's a little bit. It's it's a nice little kind of tight story, of, mm-hmm. of course, with an open world that you can then kind of go into. But it wasn't what people making it sound like it was the end to be all games. Right, right. But CD Projekt Red did do that, right? They were shooting. I mean, they were shooting for it. And again, it got so ambitious. Look, let's be real. They should have just they should have just announced that they were dropping last gen altogether. Right. They, they should have done that and they should have focused solely on PC and current gen. And I think we would have had a much better game, but they didn't do that. They shot for the stars. Didn't work out. They took their lumps. A lot of people got on the train of hating on on this game without ever even trying it out for themselves, because that's what happens nowadays, especially in the social media world. Again, go back. Try this for yourself. They're giving away a five hour free trial which you can try it all out on any system that you want to. Your save will carry over to the main game. So it's a perfect way if you're not ready to drop the money. I know it's on sale right now, I think on Xbox for $28, $27.99 or something like that. Try it out first. See if it's something that you're going to enjoy. But I'm telling you, there is so much to discover in this world of cyberpunk that it, it really is. And I can tell you, I've already got the patch downloaded. I fired it up real quick before the show. The quality of life stuff they've already uh, implemented, you can already tell. The loading times are cut way down, especially, you know, obviously I've got it on my internal on the, on the Series X. But it is so fast now. It was fast before, but now it's even faster. So that stuff, I believe that they've gotten right. Uh, the draw distance has improved. I, I've already seen that. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect, but it's definitely better. I flipped on the ray tracing mode. Look, if you can play on that ray tracing mode in 30 frames, God bless you. Okay, I, I, I popped it on and literally 10 seconds later, I was like, yeah, no, we're not even going to do this. <laughs> I can't, I cannot do this frame rate at all, but it feels even better on the performance mode. It's even smoother than it was before. So they are definitely, they are definitely getting things right with this game. Uh, and again, before for me, it already was right. So I can't wait. I got to go back and redo all my skills. They reset all the skills, skill trees. So I got to go back and fix those. Uh, because they added some different ones, took some other ones out. Uh, so much in that patch notes. Uh, be able to change your appearance in the mirror. That's huge. Uh, there's still things missing. I wish they would have brought back the subway um, that they promised, the tram uh, system that they had promised. Uh, that is something that modders have done on PCs. So there are still things missing. But this game is fantastic. I'm just hoping now that this patch is out, despite all these games coming out, that people jump back into it and at least try it. Uh, and see, because again, CD Projekt Red is still one of the best developers, especially when it comes to Western RPGs and writing. This writing in this game is top notch. The characters are unbelievable. I got attached to characters very early on, um, and that doesn't happen in every video game for me. So please go try this out. But this is an exciting day for all of us fans, as well as hopefully new people jumping into it. So nice, uh, nice strong, yeah. strong points. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Let me uh, let me thank Reggie Mobile Nine in the chat. Drops the first super chat of the day. Reggie Mobile, brother, thanks for being here, and of course, thank you for the generosity. He says this: "Great show, booming crew. Loved Cyberpunk 2077, and like Pong, I haven't finished it yet. LOL. I'm ready to jump back in. Yeah, this is 
this is going to be an interesting week to jump back into it for me because obviously Horizon Zero uh, Forbidden West is coming out. You also have a week after that. Um, uh, what, what's, what's coming out a week after that? Um, the one that's like Elden so, Ring. Yeah, Elden, Elden Ring. Ring. Yes, and of course this is. So you, I, I think you're going to have to pick your poison uh, because I don't think you're going to be able to get to all three. Uh, that is for sure. And among um, there's a ton of other smaller games that have come out. Uh, some new stuff into Xbox Game Pass. One that's kind of like an old school 8-bit Castlevania title, which I am going to play. That looks dope for sure. Uh, let's bring in Mr. Joanna Dark. You're also a huge cyberpunk fan. What does this what what does the uh the the the, the 1.5 patch do for you? It allows me to go back and finally start my second playthrough. That's one of the things that I wanted to do. I mean, I played Cyberpunk on PC first um, when it came out. They won. And like Pong Soul said, did I have bugs? Yeah, probably, I think, 50 hours in. But I think the game was uh, phenomenal. I love the stories it told, um, the different people that I met, kind of the emergent gameplay, um, being a person that loves these immersive sims. And I think that many people that, you know, didn't give it a chance. They kind of just went on this bandwagon to kind of say it was a bad game. And I understand um, if I was if I only had a, a you know a last gen console or if I was playing on current gen. But even that, I had it on Xbox. I own it on everything, um, even on Stadia. And did I run into some bugs? Probably. But I'm used to also playing a lot of early access games, and I'm also used to playing big open world games like Fallout and Bethesda games that sometimes can have bugs. Um, looking at this patch. Um, similar to The Witcher, after five years, it looks like the new skill tree, all these different changes that kind of make it, I think, what they wanted to do eventually. So I'm kind of happy that people that haven't played it and kind of waited on this patch are now able to kind of experience the game the way it was meant to be played um, with, I guess, more, you know, stable and a better, you know, FPS. I guess the only thing that I'm, I'm a little bit upset is, you know, not taking advantage of the Series S, which I know can probably do 60 FPS. Um when it comes to a mode, but hopefully that's something down the road with uh, future patches. Uh, I'm excited. Um, I have it right now updating on Xbox because uh, now that I played it on PC, I think Xbox is the next second playthrough I'm going to do. And I'm, and I'm just excited to jump back into that world, you know, hang out with Johnny Silverhand and the rest of the crew. So yeah. Awesome. Nice. There's strong points. Uh, real quick, Matt, before I bring you in on the conversation, drawn TJ, generous friend of the show, drops an outstanding five hours super chat and says, when is the multiplayer or co-op coming to Cyberpunk that they promised? And they I canceled think the multiplayer. They nixed it. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. nixed it. Uh, from what I understand, yes. I was actually thanks for the the, the clarification. I was actually yeah. just gonna say that they did in fact nix the uh the multi uh the uh the multiplayer, which is which I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I personally don't care because I wouldn't play it anyway. But I just think that they 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 promised something that they knew they couldn't deliver, and they came out. This this is going back a while. As a matter of fact, they they yeah. canceled the multiplayer. So again, if you were looking forward to it, it I'm sorry for that. But I, I don't I don't think that it's uh, a game like that is in theory on paper. Multiplayer sounds great, but to be honest with you, it is probably best enjoyed by yourself. Again, that's just my opinion on it. But Mav, what does this patch do for you? Have you um, have you played Cyberpunk? Were you like me? Is in in this in the wrapper still? No, I started it and I got several hours in, and then I think I we got word that there was going to be like oh. the next gen patch, you nice. know, and. And that was going to come. And I thought it was going to come sooner than later. So I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm not one to really play through these games like multiple times. Right. 
So at that point, I was like, you know, I'm enjoying it, but I want to play it at at the best, at its best, you know. So I kind of put it on the on the side, and I was like, I'll come back to it. So this has me excited. It's finally, finally here, so I can uh, dive back in and play that game and in all of its glory and get the best experience uh, possible. Which it wasn't like a bad experience to begin with, like for me on a next gen console because that's where I was playing. It was it was still very playable. It had bugs, like a lot of games have bugs, but it wasn't like on next gen consoles. It wasn't like the crazy scenario that we see uh, that it was made out to be. And again, like Pong was talking about, that was that was created, in my opinion, by the marketing from CD Projekt Red from the get-go. Like, ever since that game was announced, it was like, this is the biggest and best thing we've ever created. You know, <laughs> and, and all the stuff that they showed was, like, mind-blowing, right? And it, you got to wonder what that was all running on. Like what? What was that even possibly running on? The fact that they even like marketed it that much and it was targeted as a last gen release was crazy, right? And could you imagine if that game, as said this many times, had released without next gen consoles even out there and without next gen graphics cards out there? Yeah, no. yeah. Like if <laughs> all that was there was last gen, like that would have been even more catastrophic, right? Um, that that being said, I think again. You know, a lot of it was overselling and setting Im- improper expectations from the get-go. And yep. and I don't know if it was the fact that they were just trying to lie. I think they really wanted to create that, what they were trying to achieve. And, and their ambition was insane. Yeah. Ambition is insane. Ne- I never fault a dev for being too ambitious. No, I d- exactly. You never want to fault for being too ambitious, but you do want to fault for making poor management decisions and marketing and messaging right like you always that's why i'm more forgiving with some bugs and some other people because i don't want a world in which we have no bugs because we stifle ambition and only release games like nintendo has yeah right Mm -hmm. and yeah they're great they don't have bugs and they're and they're polished experiences but you know i also want these big huge open worlds and there's all this online interactivity and all this this stuff and I want the genres to keep pushing forward. So at what point does a bug stifle and ambition? Not having bugs stifle ambition. And, and that's one thing about the Elder Scrolls games and like Bethesda, they're always so massive, right? But they always launch with a lot of bugs. So when CD Project Red launched with bugs, I was like, eh, you know, that's kind of what I ex- expected for a game that's this ambitious, but it was way over deliver over promised with the messaging and everything and um i'm glad it's finally getting to this point now because they this should have been the target like punk said the target release to begin with just next gen cut out that last gen stuff it would have been a hard pill to swallow for them to lose that much of a player base but look what it did look what it cost them they had to give all those refunds they had to do all this stuff it was a huge huge mishap but ultimately at the end of the day it's still a great game you have an amazing story. You have great characters. You have uh, great RPG mechanics. A uh, fantastic game that I think is going to live on for a really long time. Uh, and this patch is going to help get it to that point to refresh in people's minds about what a quality game this actually is on every other aspect. Because they'll be more less paying attention to the car that just exploded randomly in front of them out of nowhere. And uh, as That's opposed what makes to it now, fun. 
yeah, you know, those <laughs> things happen, you know, sometimes. Uh, instead, now they'll be paying attention to the story and, and, and all these things and, and appreciating it for what it is. So, um, man, I'm, I'm super glad the patch is finally here. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be giving it a go again really soon. Great stuff. Uh, let, let's get VJ in on the conversation. First of all, VJ, welcome to the panel once again. I'm glad to have you here each and every week with us uh, to bring your very unique and detailed perspective to the conversation. For you, where does this patch uh, fall? Was Cyberpunk something that you waited on? Did you play through it? Or were you, like me, waiting for the next-gen patch to really get the best uh, 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 out of the game? Um. Thanks for the welcome again, Boom. <laughs> um, as, as a consumer, I, I bought Cyberpunk uh, 2077 on day one uh, for the Series X. And um, and obviously there were some comical bugs aside, but I, I think I'm like Pong's soul. I actually really enjoyed them. Actually <laughs> adding some levity to the whole experience, yep. if I'm quite honest with you. Um, and, I, and I completed the game I, I, uh, in terms of the main storyline and some of the side quests and so on and so forth. And um, and I just, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my time. So I had no issues with the game. And I was fortunate because I was able to play on, on the Series X at a time when people are still, well, even today, people are struggling to get a hold of a system. But sort of listening to Pong's sort of um, emphatic and exhausting take on the game and the patch and so on and so forth, it's kind of taken my thoughts to to look at CDPR since, since the ill-fated launch of the game, uh, regardless of the fact that it sold 13 million units, right, or whatever it was. And as Mav was saying, you know, perhaps a, a, a vast number of those were refunded. Um, it kind of leads me just to think about, like, you know, the sort of vast criticism we see these days in terms of what the publishers and developers receive in general. And to Mav's point, uh, I, I, I agree, you know, that I hope we're living in a far more redemptive society than it often appears to be. And, and this is in relation to his comments about, look, you know, bugs are going to be there and they will get fixed and um, they should get fixed. Right. And and redemptive in the terms of everything's to a degree, of course. But in, in relation to sort of. For me, it's like looking at CDPR's recovery or maybe that's a little bit early to say or potential road to recovery, sort of specifically in terms of being a developer, publisher and and all the devs that are working there and in terms of, you know, um, the, the situation that they've had with their shareholders. And, and, and you've got to look at it like this is that, you know, we, and we talked about this prior to the launch, right? If you look at the amount of time, money and energy, respectively speaking, right, uh, with those three sort of main pillars contributing to the game over a five to six period, <clears throat> they should get a chance to put things right if, if the opportunity is there to do so, right? And if, and if, the, if the gaming community, community, you know, be patient enough with them, right? Because obviously this is a massive misstep, right? In terms of their history and in terms of um, a, a sort of um, a dent in their reputation. Uh, personally, I'm glad that the potential shareholder legal action and the studio unrest has quietened down or is being managed behind closed doors. I, I may be wrong, right? So they don't keep up with the news as much as I used to. So please correct me if I'm wrong. But what I'm hoping is that CDPR haven't simply just put a lid on the situation, but of like sort of, you know, as, as Mav was saying, you know, refunded consumers, you know, faced up and apologized accordingly to all the different people that, are, that have meant something to the project or have contributed to it. And, and obviously the dev staff involved as well, uh, but have have sat back and really looked at the situation and set out a roadmap. And I hope this is just the first part of their roadmap, right, in terms of what they're going to do with this game. I think it deserves deserves a lot of care, love, care, and attention going forward. But and but also sort of owned up to everyone involved, basically, and invested in it to help to get and helping now to get the company back on its feet. But 
And the other thing is that I would say that I know it's for them, you know, it's been a painful lesson, right? And sometimes you have to have like a painful lesson to sort of, you know, have that reality check, right? And uh, sometimes, you know, those painful lessons have to be learned the hard way. But the real issue or, or the crime for me would be if CDPR haven't taken stock nor learned based on what's sort of gone on their recent history and haven't evolved and improved. A, as a developer, you know, creating the best possible work environment for their staff going forward, because we all heard about the crunch. It's not that it's inevitable. It was just to the degree of the crunch, right? B, I would say as a publisher, sort of ensuring that what's being released actually comes close or meets an industry standard, a bar a few bugs as to what customers or consumers have come to expect, especially serious gamers, right, on this panel and, and, in, and in the chat, of course, right? And see as a public company, right, since major shareholders are the ones who, who invest the money, right, so you can enjoy what you love to do. And not many people can say that, right? And, you know, albeit for a return, right? I'll caveat with that. So but I, I don't want to see CDPR dwindle or disappear. I want them to go from strength to strength. They've been good for the industry per se. And hopefully they straighten themselves out, you know. And and, and full disclosure here, I've, uh, Boom, you probably know, right, because I've podcasted you for, for so long. But I've always obviously got a sort of um, a historical and personal affinity with Poland, right? So, and... As I say, you know, I know for some have, like yourself, Boom, uh, have waited to play uh, see, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, and I think you're going to be in for a really fantastic ride. So, uh, and for me, it's going to be my second playthrough, and, and I'm looking forward to it as well. Nice. Well, listen, I, I love how we open up the show, get some breaking news. Obviously, they had at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the 31-minute uh, breakdown of, of patch 1.5. I love the fact that we were able to all break it down, give our opinions. I got to welcome in 310 people here. want to say, please, if you're enjoying the cast, consider hitting the like button, of course, and share this out on social media. And, of course, if you are new, well, why don't you help me continue the march towards 25K? That's right. I'm skipping over 15. I'm skipping over 20. I'm going right for the plaque that I want sitting right next to my energy sword. All jokes aside, folks, we crossed 10K a couple of weeks ago. One of the biggest achievements so far, uh, besides getting the first sub, which was Mrs. Boomstick. Always going to be number one, that is for sure. But I want to open up the second topic. And Pong, Pong, we have... We're going to Platinum Games again, ladies and gentlemen, because, <laughs> my God, uh, I'm, I'm starting to feel like Randall Thor 19. Every time he has a new show, there's something about Platinum Games that we have to talk about. And, folks, before we get into that, I want to thank Danny, passion official, with the outstanding and very generous $5 Super Chat and says, I really enjoyed Cyberpunk 2077 Day 1. This update is what I need to start my second playthrough. Wow, there's a lot of people running through this game a second time. The only thing that uh, that used to bother me was the NPC repeatedly. I don't know what that means, the NPC. Uh, but, but whatever it is, it bothered you enough, but it didn't bother you enough not to run through the game a second time, and that really is saying something there, Danny. Thanks so much for the generosity, and of course, you being here as always, folks. Well, like I said a few minutes ago, Platinum's CEO says that he wouldn't dismiss acquisition offers as long as freedom is respected. And President Atasushi Inaba thinks Activision will be afforded autonomy under Microsoft. Uh, and I think that he is 100% right. Now, basically, speaking with VGC following the recent promotion to president and CEO, 
Atasushi Inaba was asked about recent consolidation in the gaming industry, most significantly marked by Microsoft's $70 billion buyout of Activision Blizzard. Now, this story was pulled from our good friends over at Video Games Chronicle, and it was written by Andy Robinson. And this is what he had to say. The most important thing for us is to have the freedom to make the games that we want to make. What I hear about the recent acquisitions, I don't think Microsoft is going to start micromanaging Activision to where they take away all of their freedom. I don't think it's going to be a relationship like that. Now, this, uh, Pong, he continues, I think there's going to be a lot of mutual respect there, and I think that Activision will be able to continue doing what they do best. That's also what's most important to us at the end of the day, whatever form that takes for us and our company. So I would not turn anything down as long as our freedom is respected. Now, Pong, uh, I got to be honest with you. If that doesn't say, hey, Microsoft, buy us, I don't know what it is. Listen, I understand there are plenty of people in this chat, over 300 people, some of which would be like, you know something? I don't like Platinum because of what they did. I don't trust them. But business is business. And we did hear directly from uh, Jez Corden of Windows Central, friend of this show and voice of the Xbox 2 podcast weekly with Randolph 19 that a lot of the hearsay was not, in fact, true. Now, look, I've said this before, and I will say it again. Whether you think Japan is important to Microsoft is irrelevant. I am here to tell you that it is important to Phil Spencer, head of Microsoft Gaming. And even though they have failed in Japan on numerous attempts, they are not looking to have that happen again. And with Tango Gameworks, uh, that's a great Japanese studio with a great head running the show. But I'm going to tell you this right now. This is an opportunity for Microsoft to add to their Japanese studios and bringing in someone like Platinum Games, I think would ring tremendous dividends. What are your thoughts on this, Palm? <clears throat> Let me start here. Uh, I'll uh, give you a uh, tweet, a quote from Seamus Blackley, one of the fathers of Xbox, who uh, responded to this article directly. Uh, he quote tweeted it and said, these are wonderful insane and creative weirdos and we would all be better off the more freedom and opportunity they have in my honest opinion i agree one million percent with seamus so the father uh, of xbox is saying yep. that basically hey phil <laughs> sign these guys up correct uh he is in the same boat as i am uh anybody who's listened to me on any of my shows when we talk about the eastern style games uh, they aren't for everybody. I totally get that. They're not everybody's cup of tea, uh, as VJ would say. But at the end of the day, what they do bring is exactly what uh, Mr. Blackley had to say, uh, which is uh, creative and weird. And I love that about Platinum Games. Not to mention some of the best action games you will ever find. Just go look at Bayonetta or you know any one of their games. Uh, near Automata, um, and you will find something very special in how they develop their games. Now, that's their A-team, right? Now, we've seen their secondary team have hit and misses. 
But their A team is out of this world when it comes to creating a game full of style, full of atmosphere, uh, full of craziness. And I absolutely wish and would love for that to be underneath the Xbox umbrella uh, because they do have a name over in the East. They are something special. That's why you saw uh, Nintendo go out and license Bayonetta from Sega and give it back to Platinum and say, hey, make us another exclusive Bayonetta 3, please. Why? Because that game has a ton of draw over in the East. Look, and in the West. Bayonetta is popular everywhere, but especially in the East. So I would love to see this. Now, obviously, Platinum has been very vocal from top to bottom here now at this point in putting it out there into the universe that they would like to be working for somebody. Um, I don't think that this is abnormal. I think they're trying to find suitors. If there's one or two lined up that they've talked to already, maybe they're trying to, you know, do do a little business here and get that price point up a little ways. Uh, that's certainly something they could be doing behind the scenes as well. Um, but they are they are kind of like the free agent devs, right? They go around and make games for everybody. They don't own any of the IP that they've worked on, and that's the crazy part about this. And I think that maybe the time has finally come where they realize that that's not it's not actually the best way to go about making games because you're always under the gun and you're always underneath somebody else's gun to get these games done. And we obviously, um, you know, saw what happened uh, or what didn't happen with uh, Xbox. And I think that they would love a second opportunity to get back at it, but also to be underneath somebody else's umbrella, not have to worry about marketing all the, the you know, marketing themselves, not having to worry about the resource resources all the time and just going and doing what they do best, which is create awesome, amazing games. And I think that that really comes down to it. We've seen that with Double Fine and Tim Schafer and his crew. And I always go back to them because Tim Schafer and his crew over at Double Fine are some of the most creative, genius people in the industry, but they don't make games that are for everybody, right? They don't make those blockbuster triple A games that, you know, gets all the hype and it sells, you know, 10, 15, 20 million copies. That's not what their, that's not what their forte is but they bring experiences that you don't get from other developers. hundred percent. It's very unique experiences and they know what they're good at and they go out and do that on a consistent basis. And all that time, even though they've been lauded, even though they've been up for awards, even though everybody knows Tim Schaefer and what his crew is all about and what they can do, every game that they were making was something that they had, they, they were worried that could be their last game sometimes, right? Because they didn't know where it was going to come from next. And you know, it's funny you say that. That's yeah. that's pretty interesting because what we have seen Microsoft do is save companies from from from, from snatched companies from the jaws of of extinction. We've seen it with Ninja Theory. Yep. You've seen it uh, now with Tim Schafer and his company over at Double Fine. You've also seen it uh, with the company that makes the RPGs. Um, their name is skipping my mind. Um, holy matrimony. I'll, co- I'll, I'll come back to it in a second. Compulsion in exile. In, in exile. Compulsion yep. is another one. Compulsion, small team. Yep. You know, the, you know, we happy few didn't, you know, do as, as well as they didn't, as they would have expected. Just imagine if Microsoft doesn't step in and acquire them. What happens to that team? That's another studio out the out the out 
you know, that's 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 in the trash pile that would never come back. Platinum Games, if you've noticed, the reason why they've had to take on so many projects is because they needed the funding. If they're under the Microsoft umbrella, Pongso, and you and you can have the A and B team working with a budget that allows them to, like you said, get wacky and crazy and do what they do best. You might have something incredibly special. And who's to say that they don't bring back? I hate to say this. And I'm actually, no, I'm not. I don't, I'm not the hate. I, I want Scalebound to come back. Imagine the A team with the budget and the time. Hey, you didn't know Unreal Engine. Well, the coalition is going to come over and they're going to teach you Unreal Engine 5. And would that not be? An incredible rags to riches story, Pong. Of course, and we all love redemption stories. Or most who of doesn't, right? Right, exactly. And what a perfect way again to have all this support that they would have underneath the Xbox umbrella, like you just mentioned, Boom, to help them along with any issues that they may have had. Whereas a free agent developer on their own, they really don't. You know, couldn't go to people like that. Now they would have a family of studios to help them along. And they've already expressed interest in moving to a games as a service style games. They've already shown all this interest that aligns with what Microsoft and Xbox are looking for right now. So look at the end of the day, if Xbox isn't ready to make that commitment, which I totally understand, why not do a trial run, do the scale bound, give them their old IP back. This was supposedly cameos, baby that he's wanted to make forever give it back to him okay let them go to work on it start scale bound up and just like we're hearing that is a possibility with with teams like io like avalanche give them a trial run see how they do they're going to put their best foot forward the second time there's no doubt about it that was my uh, that was my take on the whole whether or not we bring back scale bound you know you're going to get your best foot forward and if you add to that the possibility of being acquired and coming underneath the Xbox umbrella and being given creative freedom, you don't think that a team is not going to be putting extra special sauce into that. Of course <laughs> they are. Of course they are. If this is what they want and this is what they're out here shopping for, they're going to give it their all. So let yeah. them try it out. See how they work. You know, you can see directly how they work. You saw before, but that wasn't their best, right? That, that was a problem. That was a while ago. This is business. That was a while ago. See how the team has matured. See if yeah. they do work underneath 100%. the Microsoft way and then go from there. Look, I love this idea. Platinum Games would be a huge, huge win for Xbox to bring them underneath. I believe that truly. I know there's people out there that don't like them, hold grudges. I get all of that. That's fine. I'm putting all that aside and saying, look, at the end of the day, they would be an asset to the Xbox umbrella, to the Xbox Indeed. teams to have them here. So let's try it. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Real quick, before we bring in Mr. Joanna Dark, I got to thank an absolutely incredible super chat of $50 comes in from Bold Alpha Wolfpack. Brother, welcome back to the show. And of course, thank you for the extreme generosity. He says this. Sorry I missed the stream, the stream the other day, boom. I caught a good hour of it at work. Pong, in the house, let's go. 
get this these super chats popping well indeed you certainly did and thank you for the absolutely incredible generosity and he drops another one if the first one was enough for ten dollars and says what's up uh, pong's inner speculation on scale bound well <laughs> there you go well i just i just alluded to it there uh good <laughs> sir i believe that Scalebound is worthy of a comeback uh and that uh, you would get the a game from plat you get the A team from platinum and they would be putting all of their best into it this time around. I believe it's worth a second chance for sure. I, I absolutely a hundred percent agree with that. I, I think there's look, there are certain things, Mr. Joanna Dark, that happen in gaming in life that sometimes happen for specific reasons that we don't know. You know, this is one of those situations where we have heard, and and obviously uh, um, we've heard it poo-pooed, that the whole uh, mythos of, of of trying to acquire a Japanese store uh, uh, you know, historically is, is false. That that's that's a false narrative. Why people continue to run with it, I have no idea. But we do know, Mr. Joanna Dark, that Phil Spencer has said on numerous occasions that he wants a bigger presence. In Japan, he also said that he wants to acquire a Japanese studio. Now, granted, Tango came with the Bethesda purchase, and that still counts because that studio was in Japan. But I think what he was looking for was potentially is a studio like Platinum Games. Hearing them come out and basically say, we want to be acquired and we like what Microsoft is doing and we want to make scale bound. I actually don't know how clear it needs to be any further. Where do you stand? Does Platinum Games deserve a second shot, even potentially to be acquired by Microsoft? Would that be an acquisition that would be worthy for Microsoft? I 100% agree with Pong that Platinum is very talented. And I'm going to make a couple of different points. One thing that people forget is that back in the 360 era, a lot of Japanese developers did weren't as acquainted with Unreal because it was a Western type of engine. So they use a lot of their own proprietary engines. We started to see Bandai Namco kind of dive in with their games slowly with Tekken and so forth. And it wasn't until recently, even Nintendo with the Switch, that said, hey, we now support Unreal. Because Miyamoto came out and said as well that they weren't kind of, you know, didn't know the engine. So a lot of Japanese developers have started to use Unreal. Second, um, to kind of go with Pong, I look at Platinum, right? And there's two teams. There's an A team and a B team that we kind of associate with. And sometimes it's not that I think the B team is bad, you know, and I can attribute this to um, kind of the whole thing with Rocksteady, right? With uh, Batman Origins, right? People discredit um their b team because you know it wasn't rock steady right so what i look at is if they had the funding they would be able to put people on that other team that can help them get over some of the things that maybe they kind of came with some of the games that they provided second of all like many developers that were small um and they were trying to make their next game they didn't have the funding so they had to do with whatever budgets they had look at in exile right they made wasteland and as you can see from Wasteland 2 to Wasteland 3, when they got acquired by Microsoft, they were able to put more voices into their game. They were able to fulfill that world much better. And it all comes down to business. You know, uh, as someone who's worked with different teams and worked with different parties, sometimes things go wrong. 
look at the Xbox One era, you know, there was a lot of things that Microsoft did to kind of not gain, you know, the trust of many developers because it was a different time, right? Different leadership. And when I look at, at Platinum, right, they recently let the, the CEO left and now they have new management. And I think that there's talent there that with the right person behind can unlock a lot of the potential and we can see some amazing games. And I think Scalebound was a tale of not only just a developer, let's let's kind of put it to right now with Cyberpunk. It was an idea that sounds pretty ambitious, but a tale of two different companies, Microsoft being in a different mindset and Platinum at the moment not being as, again, um, adequate with something like Unreal. Because again, maybe they didn't even have the money to maybe get some of these development kits to kind of even go in there. And what they did is they tried their best to kind of learn on the job. And it eventually that lack of you know understanding caught up to them. I would love to see them. I think that if they make a deal with Microsoft um, and give them a shot to make this um, to make Scalebound... It can be something similar to what we got with Nier, um, which was a, a, an incredible game. And it's and it's kind of what we see with these deals that we kind of talk about with, you know, with Avalanche, with IO Interactive. Give them a shot. But I really think there's a lot of talent there. I mean, they come on. They gave us Vanquish. They gave us Bayonetta. I love yeah. Bayonetta. Yeah, me too. Um, they gave us Transformers. So you can see that with the proper funding, putting in the proper team and people to kind of guide they so gave us Metal Gear expand. Rising, which, by the way, yes. is one of my favorite Metal Gear solid uh, Metal Gear games outside of MGS One. And and I think, um, in a way of trying to break into that market, I think, kind of on good faith, it would be great for Phil to kind of sit down and talk and see what's realistic, see what they can work on and meet in the middle. If it doesn't work out, then move on. But you know what? At yeah. least you tried, and that kind of gives the optics of saying, "Hey, you know what?" Um, Microsoft is willing to forgive. Maybe we didn't have good relations with, you know, with the current people that were there, but the new, you know, Phil and his new team, they're willing to work with us. And I think that goes a long way in showing good faith. Um, And if you get platinum slowly, that can kind of be like the domino that you need to have more people interested um, to come and work with Microsoft and Tango can be kind of that place, but yeah, Uh, definitely would love scale bound. Yeah. Yeah. That makes two of us Uh, Mav. Uh, Kia Walker in the chat drops an outstanding $5 super chat. And he says this, this is all a ploy by platinum to get the scale bound IP back and raise their sales price for another company besides Microsoft to buy them. Do you agree with that? It could be, <laughs> who knows it? Like the thing is like, they're being very vocal. Like with these interviews is very strange. Right. I, so that you got to always weigh that into in, into perspective, right? Like, you know, being in an interview saying, yeah, we're open to being acquired. Why not? You know, that doesn't happen very often. And also, it doesn't happen very often when you're uh, pleading to um, a platform holder to publish a game for you, right? And to revive an IP that you failed to deliver on in the past. So there's there's always that aspect. However, I don't care. I, I just say, Microsoft, go buy the guys. You know, if they are, if they I'm right want there it, with you, you know, they, if they want it, you know, like you can, you've always struggled to get Japanese games on your platform, regardless of anything else, regardless of the chaos or the, what happened in the past or whatever, this is business, right? And a, a developer that's capable of making great action hack and slash Japanese style games is 
basically saying they're open to be acquired. And they seem to be completely open to be acquired by by Microsoft as long as they're not willing to take away their uh, creative freedom. That seems like a match to me. You know what I mean? Like, it just... To put yourself in this perspective, let's say Sony buys Platinum, right? As an Xbox fan, does that make you happy? Right? For me, as as an Xbox gamer, like, I want those games in Game Pass. Like, those Platinum games, I I don't want to see the Sony platform just keep getting stronger with Japanese games. They already have a lot, right? That's something that's lacking in the Xbox ecosystem. I want to see more of that. And if it takes going and, and talking to those guys and saying, "Hey, let's do this thing. Let's uh, let's make a let's make a deal happen." It potentially you get scale bound out of it, and maybe you get other new IP. The talent there is undeniable. Uh, Near Automata, Astral Chain, um, uh, just two of the releases they've had since the whole scale bound fiasco. Uh, Bayonetta. They're about to have another one. They're making Babylon's Fall right now for PlayStation. So if you're an Xbox fan and they're saying, you know, hey, uh, we're available and we uh, we like kind of what you're doing with Activision Blizzard. We like what you've done with these other developers with Creative Freedom and and all this stuff. And, hey, we're available. Hey, let's do it, Phil. Let's bring back Scalebound. Do it. You know what? Like, don't let them get the bid price up to sell to somebody else. Go ahead and go ahead and do it. Pull the trigger. Yeah, if anyone in the chat knows uh, where to find the market cap value for Platinum Games, just throw it into the the chat and we'll give you a shout out. It'll be probably ridiculous because it'll be in yen, but it'll have a dollar sign next to it. So it'll Mm. look like $80 trillion, but it's really like, like, you know, a hundred million or a billion or something like that, you know? Um, Yeah, I just think Platinum is a great developer and I, I would hate to see those go to exclusive to another platform as somebody that wants games to hit game pass. So. I, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I think that there is an opportunity here, VJ, I want to bring you in on the conversation for a couple of reasons. Uh, one thing that we have seen uh, Sony dominate the conversation <laughs> with has been yeah. the amount of Japanese games that they have that are exclusive. And a lot of the times we see games in the Japanese from, from the J- Japanese region launch on the switch to great success as well as playstation and they seem to always almost always skip xbox something mm-hmm. like near automata we didn't get for years after mm-hmm. it originally launched now that's not saying that it's not valuable but mm-hmm. i i i dislike the fact that as an xbox uh gamer who enjoys jrpgs and that type of uh genre out of that region of the world we always have to wait this is an opportunity for Microsoft to take advantage of a golden opportunity. Now, as we're talking, ladies and gentlemen, I'm getting updates. And Andy Robinson of VGC, Video Games Chronicle, just dropped another new article regarding Scalebound. And it's titled... Uh, Hideki Kayama says that he's totally serious, quote unquote, about resurrecting Xbox exclusive uh, scale bound. But the Platinum Games designer won't say if he's open discussions with Microsoft as of yet. Now, that could be, folks, if he's not willing to comment on it. Again, this is speculation town. Pong, Mav, get ready. Co-mayors 
And I know that I am now the governor, so I have a little bit more power. (laughs) So uh, here's the thing. He's not saying, BJ, I'm not suggesting that Mm -hmm. him not saying uh, is basically him letting the cat out of the bag that he has. He's he's on the NDA. He can't say anything more because they signed the deal to secretly bring this games back, this, this game back. In your opinion, as someone that has seen the Japanese market for Xbox, is this a deal that Phil Spencer should consider? Um, look, we we know that Microsoft needs to get its act together in Japan, right? And I've been saying Correct. this for, for years, but but I want to just just focus on Platinum Games, right? Because that seems to be the topic, right? So I'm in agreement with everything that you've said, but if we focus on um, on platinum games, so I might talk for a little bit here. So please forgive me because it's just that the panel. Well, it's a, a conversational podcast, my brother. Take it away. Thank you. <laughs> but I think that back when Xbox was uh, acquiring all sorts of devs, devs in uh, 2017, 2018. I mean, they acquired quite a few studios, right? Um, I, I think I'm pretty sure that they did look at platinum games, from what I can recall. And and the thing for me is with everything that's going on at Xbox right now, um. I just think that they're looking sort of further up into the heavens, right, in terms of what they want to do strategically. Do they really need to get involved with Platinum Games rather than what we discussed like previously, I think last week, perhaps a a slew of sort of strategic relationships, you know, and and I think that would be a a better approach to uh, redemption rather than sort of, I don't know a nice way of putting this, but jumping into, into bed together and finding out, you know, that either party isn't as well as he's, isn't as well endowed as one thought they might, each other might be, right? So I love it. I love it. Take it away. Keep keep um, keep it rolling. I like this. Uh, on the surface, for fans at least, look, we all have a desire. Uh, I only own an Xbox and a Switch, right? I don't. I'm not. I don't own all the systems, right? So as fans, we all have a desire for Xbox to take take on Sony and Nintendo, especially in their own backyard, right? Because Sony do it over here, right? I'm not so worried about what Sony do in Japan because we know that that's history. It's well documented, right? And it's just that Microsoft, you know, put up with Sony over here, but they don't take them on in their own backyard. They've tried, but unsuccessfully, right? And there's a reason for it. And I'll come on to that, right? And on the surface of it all, right, um, Platinum Games looks like a great little pickup, right? Um, and, you know, you've got Hideki uh, Hideki-san there, you've got Kamiya-san and, and Shinji, right, uh, Mikami-san, right, uh, over at, um, at Tango, right, and and all three of them, right, before Shinji left, uh, they founded Platinum Games together, so, but I think that that's where the inherent problem lies, right, I don't know if you guys all recall Clover Studios, right, after that fantastic game for Akami, right, which again was on PS2 for a number of years, Spoon was saying, you know, it didn't appear in other formats till much later, right, so, and that was sort of developed for Capcom, right? And then the studio was sort of acrimoniously closed down, right? And I remember that because I was there at the time, right? And 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 sources say, right, and the speak was or the chatter was that Inaba-san, right, orchestrated the departure of Hideki Kamiya, Shinji Mikami, and an influential producer whose name um, escaped me, so I'm sorry about that, to form Platinum Games, right? And Inaba-san, even 15 to 20 years ago, had his sights or his designs set on being a developer publisher, right, a Capcom of his own, if you like. And and with Kamiya and Mikami-san, right, at the height of their powers, right, and popular in terms of popularity and, and in terms of creating two of the most popular action IPs of, of all time, right, arguably, you know, depending if you're into that sort of thing, right? 
Inabasan thought he pulled off the coup of the century, right? Especially with funding from Sega already secured and ready to go, right? For Platinum Games, right? And and uh, Pongsol mentioned Bayonetta and so, and so on and so forth, right? And Level 5 also at the time announced that their ambition was to stop developing games just for Square Enix, which, let's be honest, Platinum Games are doing right now, right? And um, create their own IP and internally expand and become a publisher in their own right, right? Especially after the gargantuan success of Dragon Quest Eight on the PS2, which is a beloved game of mine. I don't know if anyone's ever familiar with that. But anyway, so you've got Mikami-san who left Osaka for Tokyo, right? Very early on, as I recall, and actually went to an ex-CEO of Sega for funding for his own studio. And I'm not sure if that ultimately culminated in establishing um, Tango Softworks and and it's sort of almost instantaneous uh, purchased by, by Zenimax, right? But you know how that story pans out. But Platinum Games with Inaba-san, right? For me, when I when I look at them, right, uh, are primarily working for Nintendo and Square Enix, applying their action template for, to concepts, right, and have been doing so for quite a number of years. And Nintendo and Square Enix, from my recollection, they have huge budgets to to throw around, right, but produce and uh, when they produce a game with an external party, they rule them with an iron fist. And Platinum do lack discipline from time to time, right? And Inabasan, for all intents and purposes, pur- all intents and purposes, hasn't primarily realised his ambitions. And I think any outreach to Xbox is a desire to to sort of circumvent or get rid of the, the current lack of freedom that they're enjoying, right? In terms of how their business is uh, uh, developing, expanding, despite the minor investment from Tencent that they've currently received, right? And if you look at Capcom, and they were a company that had to rebuild, right? And they've, and you know, we're almost at the point of destruction themselves, right? And they've gone from strength to strength, right? After almost collapsing, as I was saying, right? They are a company reborn, right? And I perhaps would argue that they're blessed with perhaps even more creative talent than ever before. But I won't go into why now, right? Because that's not the topic. But my question would be: Have Kamiya and Mikami-san, right, hit the heights? that they did since leaving Capricorn. And and I think there's an argument to say no, right? And perhaps why Xbox never maintained relationships uh, or a working relationship with people like Sakaguchi-san, right, in the past, right? And and to put it politely or gently, the main reason why Xbox are sort of floundering a little bit in Japan, because the Xbox team... Uh, there, this how can I put it? Play? Leave a lot to be desired. Des- uh, leave a lot to be desired, right? And perhaps this is why we hear of Phil and this Miss Miss Bond, right? Um, travel to Osaka, to Tokyo and Osaka with far more frequency. They literally were just in Japan. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they're going there with more regular frequency, right? So I just don't think Phil needs the hassle or the politics that PG might offer in the future. And again, again, is it, is it worth his time? I, I would say, I would say that there are more deserving. Um, teams or opportunities in japan right and rather and phil can if you think about that this right phil's in a position right now he he can grant any studio a meal ticket right phil can purchase um platinum games and perhaps it's already done right and that's why these rumors are coming out right and <laughs> even if it even if it even if it never bears fruit the issue as i say is that i've said is that pg does does PG uh, and I think someone mentioned this already though does PG have any worthwhile projects of interest to to Xbox right and to and and do they currently have 
and and for the Xbox itself, who will have to manage it, the Japanese Japanese team there, right? I feel Phil's got to have the confidence that they've got the nous and the clout, right, and the know-how, right, that Nintendo and Square do in terms of project creativity, contribution, and, and firm project oversight, right? And I don't want to go into talk about Scalebank because you guys know about that better than me. I, and, and my initial thought was, well, why don't they go and expand uh, Tango? But then a thought occurred to me: Mikami-san these days, respected by so many. He's he's a bit like the um, the guy over at Ninja Theory. Is it Tamim Antoinadis or something? I can't pronounce his surname, so forgive me. Yep. In terms mm-hmm. of that, he likes to work with smaller teams, right? And and on over an elongated period of time to get his projects right. I think Inaba-san might just be calling on the name of Xbox to garner interest from other suitors. Again, you know, not not, not sort of ruling out that the deal might already be done, but um, for, for looking from interest from other suitors or for Tencent to buy them at lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, right? But He's someone who's really ruthless, uh, smart, but mercenary uh, and a businessman. And he's happy to put his publishing ideals and and now is happy to become a first party studio with all the trappings of wealth and freedom that it affords. Right. And plus, of course, the acquisition, you know, sort of cash that ensues as a result. He he's for me he's definitely one who goes against the goes against the grain of local culture for sure. And and as I say, there's this this plenty of fish in the sea of japan if you're willing to work at it unless you're unless you're desperate for a brand name which i don't think microsoft are right now i think they pretty much own prime real estate um going you know as you know as as things are developing right in front or unfolding before our very eyes right and i think as we've spoken about before i think a, a slew of strategic relationships right across japan right which perhaps culminate in an acquisition is is the way to go right and again i I point to capcom as a prime example of what can be achieved achieved from practically scratch right the second time around right and perhaps actually i know i mentioned level five perhaps they're worth a look right but um i don't know it's um it's all opinions at the end of the day i i like what you're going uh, listen everyone had an incredible take on it some people think that it's worthy others think otherwise and that's what we that's why we have a an open-ended discussion dj is cheating though boom he cheats because <laughs> he's got intimate knowledge of the japanese market he does market. he, does have he comes knowledge. with all these great points with <laughs> names attached to them stats and facts that none of us normal gamers could ever have so vj cheats well, listen, yeah. you know what? He, he's not going <laughs> to show true. you his hand. He's going to break you down and you're going to like it. Uh, listen, let's get on to topic number three. But before we do, I got to thank a couple of Super Chats. I think quite a few Super Chats. Arlie TS, uh, TSL in the chat dropped a very generous $5 Super Chat and says, if they do plan to acquire Platinum's uh, Platinum, Microsoft may be silent about their plans until the ATV deal is uh, that goes through that that in fact is something that's pretty interesting you just never know there jc claramore drops a very generous two dollars super chat and says the strong partners with nintendo uh, no no they they are strong partners with nintendo so nintendo might buy i mean nintendo recently had an interview with the president of japan where they said they are going to organically grow uh, the way that they've been doing it. They're not going to start buying studios to keep up with the Joneses. He actually did say that. So, I mean, I wouldn't, if if you told me tomorrow that Platinum Games was snatched up by Nintendo, that actually would not be as surprising as, uh, as we've seen things happen so far because they've worked together. Uh, wow. Bold Alpha Wolfpack drops an additional $20 super chat and says, Pong, what do you think about CEO Jim Ryan saying that he'd love 
a world where hundreds of millions can enjoy Sony games. Do you think if Sony bought Bandai Namco, they'd give the give the W uh, the Dragon Ball Z, the Street Fighter Five treatment? What do you think about hmm. that? Um, yeah, no, I, I think um, I, I think that we're going to see, as I've stated elsewhere and here, but that I just think we're going to see more cooperation. And what I meant by that between Sony and Xbox and, and even Nintendo, what I meant by that is I think certain games. You will see, just like we've heard, and we will find out if it if it's completed the Activision Blizzard deal. I think you're going to see more games that more well known IPs that may have a better chance at living on all ecosystems yep. do that. Whether it's Sony acquiring them, whether it's Xbox, I, I just think we're going to see more of that. I don't think we're going to see the acquisition and then everything locked down. I, I think we're going to see more sharing between all the console maker or all the console, all, all the consoles, as far as IP staying in, in a uh, multi-platform kind of way. So I definitely think that Jim Ryan understands the future and he understands that's why they announced 10 games as a service. Yep. Uh, you know, he understands that it's yeah. not, it's not no longer. Are we looking at a world where exclusives are the be all end all it's more going to be about engagement and getting that money from other places outside of your own ecosystem as well. And I think Jim Ryan understands that completely now. No, so. Great point. Uh, Warlord 1015 drops a very generous $5 super chat and says, if Microsoft can buy Platinum for a good price, add them and Tango and maybe a third developer, it would be a great start to Xbox Japan publishing. Absolutely. I love that idea. And I definitely think you're on to something for sure. I think I might have caught up with all the super chats. Yeah, I believe I have. I'll, ch- I'll check again. But I, I, I want to move on, folks, to the to the third topic of the show. We got four topics that we're going to talk about here today. And, uh, I, you know, listen, I want to continue the conversation. Um, and this one, you know, this one comes to us way of friend of the community, um, at Clobrio, where he was on Twitter, as he always is. And he dropped a new post regarding an unannounced project of Unreal Engine 5 for the coalition. Well, he details here that apparently that project has been in development at the coalition since the very least of September of 2020. This could be Gears or something else. The studio has announced in May 2021 it is working on multiple new projects so this is the smaller of the topics we do have one more big bomb at the back end so i'm not going to spend a lot of time on this but pong here's the thing if hive busters taught us anything the coalition knows how to tell new gears stories i don't know what your personal opinion or takeaways from that little dlc that came the way of xbox game pass I absolutely loved it. I thought that all three characters were engaging to get to know uh, about other family members that are still a part of the Gears universe um, in uh, uh, Coltrane's daughter, which I thought was awesome. Um, I really, really loved the chemistry between the three characters. I think that there are stories to be told both as a sequel to Hive Busters but you know what? Because they're trying out Gears, I mean, uh, Unreal Engine 5, and they're working on a smaller project, which we don't know what it is. We're all assuming that it's Gears. 
For you personally, would you like to see them maybe return to OG gears and maybe give us a story with Dom and markets that we've never seen or heard before to kind of bring us and, and you know bring the team all on board with Unreal Engine 5, which we know they are the masters of. What, what are your thoughts on what Clobery held to say regarding a project that has two years of development under their belt being the smaller of the big projects that we expect Gear 6 wanted them to be? Yeah, I've been on the train for a long time that uh, I'd love to see the Coalition. If they have any other ideas that they've been kind of batting around inside that studio, and again, for everybody out there who screams, but they were put together to only work on gears. I understand that, but these are still creative people. And if they had any other ideas, right. And they were, you know, they had them working in the background while they were making gears uh, five or whatever the case may be. And they came up with a small one that they all really loved, but it was something different outside the gears universe. I'm all for them trying that out. So if this is what that is, I'd love to see what other ideas they have in their heads over there. Because uh, Coalition is extremely talented, uh, probably the masters of the Unreal Engine at this point. So I would love to see a small project come out of them that, again, that's how we got grounded, right? It's just a small project outside of the norm that a bunch of the team was kicking around and they put a small group together and they created Grounded. Now look what Grounded's turned into. So I'd love something new to come out of the Coalition if that's what this is. If this is another side gears project. Of course, look, again, I make no, I don't hide my feelings. I don't like the new direction of gears. I like the old dark gritty gears 100%. I want them to go back to that. I think gears has kind of- You want more of that dark horror element that you I do, and I'm not a horror fan, for God's sakes, but I loved what they did gears one through three. I loved that setting versus the new setting. I don't like the whiny kids in the new gears. That's just me, and I'm old guy, okay? So again, the whiny kids don't do anything for me. I want the old classic. So if they're going to go back to Gears and do another small project that I loved Hive Busters. Hive Busters had more of the one through three feel than any of the four or five feel. And I loved that aspect. And there's a lot more story to tell within that Gears universe. So if they are doing that, all about it. Go ahead, do it. What you gave me with Hive Busters was excellent. I absolutely loved Hive Busters. Um, So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to no matter what it is, is what I'm saying here. At the end of the day, Again, you can pigeonhole these dev teams because they've been put together to work on a specific franchise, but all those devs are highly creative individuals. That's why they got into gaming in the first place. It is a it is a medium that allows you to express yourself. So I can guarantee you that they have other ideas outside of Gears. And if they want to express themselves by making something else, all the power to them. Can't wait to get my hands on it because, again, I do love what that team does with the Unreal Engine. So I am excited no matter what they come up with. Um, uh, uh, Xbox BG in the chat, Pong, agrees with you. He says, enough with Gears for now. Just move to a new project and give Gears some time to breathe and evolve. Now, even though I agree with that, I, I don't think that they could just kind of put their hands up and be like, hey, listen, F Gears, because I'm sorry to say whether you like it, hate it, or you're somewhere lukewarm about it, it is a major pillar. And you cannot rest on your laurels 
Uh, a lot of people like Pong did not enjoy Gears 5, does not like the direction that Gears 4 and 5 took. They want that more close combat, claustrophobic horror element that you saw in Gears where you were uh, in these tight corridors. There were darker themes to the combat. There were darker themes to the story that's being told. I think that they have to find a happy medium. But I, you know what? Again, I, I listen. Un, unlike Pong, I actually quite enjoyed Gears Five because of the open world aspect that we saw come to fruition in Halo Infinite. I, I like a lot of things to do. One of my biggest complaints with Gears is because I don't read the books, so I don't really know the inner minutia of what goes on. In, you know in the Gears universe, I only see what I play, and I kind of got bored with the same corridor the same burnt out cars the same broken buildings go around the corner find a cog tag and get an achievement i wanted more out of my adventure and i got it but you know obviously opinions differ and that's what's great about this show everyone is entitled to theirs uh mr joanna dark let's bring you in on the conversation hearing and getting confirmation from clobriel who will not uh, go out of his way to attempt to get things wrong. Usually when he's speaking about it, well, rest assured that he has it on good authority. He says he's not an insider. I beg to differ. What do you want this smaller project to be? So I would love to get, if we're talking about Dom, to get a small type pendulum more. I know they did a little bit in Gears. Yes. I think it was five. But I would love to see if we want to bring Dom, kind of give us the full gist, because there's a lot of stories to tell prior um, to the locust that I think would be interesting. Yes. But one of the games that I would love to see, I know we were talking about a survival horror, is I would love to see a Gears game in a survival horror aspect where maybe you play not as these main characters, but maybe as a regular person within the cog, and you're trying to escape, and it's more like surviving. What about a Carmine? What about giving a, a one of the Carmine brothers an actual from-the-ground-up story that maybe you get to learn a little about a little bit about the history of the family and not just him be the character that's going to die, kind of like the red shirts or, on Star or, Trek. <laughs> or what if we get a story that leads up to Marcus Phoenix's dad and how the Locust came about and kind of the yeah. ways that he's in. Um, and I think that, you know, we've gotten gears, tactics and all that. I think with the horror element, I would love to see a game where, yeah, you're right. You can be a Carmine. You're outgunned. You, you don't have many weapons, and you're kind of, you know, stealthily going in, taking out some of the cog. I think there's some stories to tell in that world, and we can get more um, than just, you know, I know there's books out there, and, um, and I just got one of the recent ones that came out. But I think there's a lot of more stories to tell within the Gear universe. Um, you know, we did get Judgment, which a lot of people don't like, and I, it was one of my favorite Gears. I actually I like quite enjoy Judgment, to be honest with you. I, I did not have a problem like everybody else. I, I like what the People Can Fly did to kind of, you know, provide something different to the gears franchise at the moment uh but yeah i would definitely like to see something that maybe gives you more backstory on some of these iconic characters and i think dom is a great character to kind of go back and get his story because you know um he, he's great and we'll, we'll see you know hopefully we get something and maybe we get that survival horror that we all been asking for but i definitely want gears to go back to that kind of that feeling that they had in the original trilogy i mean i like gears four and five but they felt I didn't get that tension. I felt like it wanted me to be more action-oriented. Yes. So I definitely want that feel of of kind of dread in a way. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, let's see. I just saw something that, that, that piqued my interest. Let me see this. Uh, where was it? 
Someone had some said somebody said something in the chat. Let's see if I could find it where they actually said they'd love to see um, a first person gears. That would be very very interesting. Mav, look, um, one of the uh, I, I want to bring back to Halo for a hot second because <laughs> with three four three. They did a lot of amazing things besides giving us Halo 1, 2, and 3. They also gave us Reach, which gave us an entirely new story with new characters before Master Chief. But one of the unsung heroes, in my opinion, from Bungie was uh, ODST, one yeah. of my absolute favorite Halos because you were not the master chief you were just a regular drop trooper who got the short end of the stick and it was up against forces that you had no right going up against by yourself it was an incredibly told story it was one of bungie's best of the best of the best sir uh where this small project again we we say small well what is small these days is it yeah. five hours is it 10 hours heck we don't even know if it's a gears project but what would you like to see them bring to the table outside of gear six in this smaller project yeah so yeah what is small for them that's a good question right because you know we're used to getting multiplayer co-op campaign all of this for the coalition right so a smaller to them could just be more of a focused single player experience, right? And I would be completely happy with that. And now Mr. Joanna Dark pretty much stole my entire thought process here because I really want that. How dare you, Dark? Yeah, he's a thief. <laughs> he just doesn't know it. Um, I, I would really like to see this war and the horror of it from a regular family's perspective. Imagine just being at that time and being in your house with your family and the locusts come in and barge into your home. Like how terrifying would that have been back at the very beginning of this thing? You know, uh, I could imagine doing a lot of stuff with that and you could uh, really bring out that horror aspect and fear for your life, and you know, progress through a level, you know, uh, maybe have, uh, some stealth aspect, trying to sneak through areas and, and all that kind of stuff to it. It would be really cool. So uh, that's this one idea. Um, but I also like out. I always think outside of gears, right? Because when the coalition started, they were Black Tusk Studios, right? And they had large ambitions and to be one of the best developers in the world. This was actually coming from their mouths and. They had ideas about creating these new franchises. I was super excited. Um, and they had one that was shown at E3 back in 2013-ish, I think. And it was going to be some kind of a stealth, like Shanghai's, like um, a, a, a espionage-looking type game. And I always kind of think back to, like, what if there was another franchise that they could just play around with and just kickstart something small? and see if it takes off because you know they have most of their uh firepower headed towards gear gear six right so what if you take us another small project and you try and kickstart another ip right that's what i would want the most trying to either revive that old idea that they had 
create a smaller experience like that uh new characters new ideas and all this stuff where you still have gears and then at some point if that was successful you could become a two franchise studio right like a lot of these top tier studios are because then at that time it gives you the break you need from each franchise right so i i would really like to see that personally from them um if this is 100 is gears related it, i really want the horror dark gritty aspect of it i mean i that it needs to be that or, or nothing else for me because i i don't want just another gears where to have that coming you know um it needs to be something unique um but yeah i don't know if y'all do you remember that trailer from black tusk back in the day yes he's like scaling a building you know and yeah, yeah it really, reminded really me of a little bit of splinter cell and siphon yeah. filter yeah yep. so that, yeah, yeah it did, it did have that uh, that edge but, to it yep Hey, Matt, yeah, let me I, ask I you this. See that. Um, remember the concept art that they had when they were saying that they were messing around with Unreal and they kind of showed um, some of those models? Could it yeah. be hinting at the, that they're going back in time as we're kind of talking here and, and kind of speculating that, hey, are they going back to like, you know, before the Locust? Because if you look at some of the, the, the wear that they were wearing, kind of doesn't look with the certain armor that we see in, in a Gears game. Could be. I mean, also, you got to look at uh, what they were doing with their uh, concept work for Unreal 5 with the demo that they did, right? Uh, where they had that, like, glowing, like, pyramid thing, you know, that was emanating light and stuff. That looked completely different than anything else that they've done as well. So uh, there's a lot of... I think it's just a... One of the best studios in the world, especially with Unreal, just absolutely insane talent there at bringing these games to life so if you stick with gears it, it needs to be something unique like that would be great joanna as well um but i would still like to see something completely different from them just to just to have a fresh take yeah from the coalition I, I, I absolutely agree as a matter of fact if you look in the chat uh the first person scenario that that is that has gained some serious traction uh as a matter of fact yeah. i mean I, I i listen i loved uh um hive busters i i thought it was probably one of the best uh pieces of dlc to come to gears mm -hmm. ever uh but i'm not going to sit here and lie to you to say that um i would not welcome in something different something that we've never played before in the yeah. form of gears in first person I, I i think that there is a lot i'm not saying that gears needs to go first person in total and never return to third person because gears is always going to be the over the shoulder story driven you know adult theme type of title i don't want that to change but if a smaller project were to be brought into the conversation and you're telling me hey we want to experience if they ask us do we want to experience gears from a never before seen yeah. perspective I, I i love that idea matt yeah, for me, like first-person shooter, I I mean, I think they'd be great at it. But there's sure. just already so many with Xbox. Even Perfect Dark is going to be a first-person shooter right now. So um, you got Doom. You got uh, probably a new Quake coming. You know, you got Wolfenstein. You got hey, you got Halo. Oh, there's, 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 you know, Fallout's. You know, Fallout. Uh, yeah, I Pass mean, there's so many. There's so many out there that, like, yeah, it would be really cool. I would love to see that. But as well, like, I would love to see them do stuff to add stuff that isn't already readily available on the platform as as much, right? Because they're a super talented studio. There's not a lot of third person 
games that are coming to game Mm -hmm. pass and stuff and and they have proven to be one of the best in the world at it so if that i would hate to take that away and have them do more first person when that's something we have plentiful um with xbox so um i i remember when perfect dark was revealed when we all found out it was first person was like there was a lot of i personally didn't really care i mean perfect dark's always been first person but there was a lot of people that were disappointed at that point because they were hoping for that third person stealth game right um gears has always been third person cover shooter so maybe they could take different ideas about how to use these third person mechanics and and implement them in different ways in different games because uh their worlds they create are gorgeous the gritty dirty mm-hmm. um like fully realized i mean you can make uh, i mean books and movies on all, all the gear stuff and, and everything now that, that originally that came from epic right all those ideas you know what i mean but um i think they've really found their way with these newer gears games bringing the story forward they're very strong with story that's something yeah. coalition doesn't get doesn't get enough credit for right the, the gear stories are amazing so i i would like to see them focus on a third person story game yeah and, well and I, who knows exactly like stealth or, or what but that's what i would personally prefer would you guys like a 2.5d contra style gears of war game in the in the oh, vein of shadow complex sick shadow Metroid complex Mania gears no let's yeah go. I, I, listen I, again I, I, the smaller <laughs> the smaller unreal engine project i don't think is going to yeah. be a standard cut and paste gears game i, I think whatever yeah. they're going to bring to us is going to be different but I want to. We definitely have one monster topic I, we have to cover. Obviously, it was advertised, and I want to get everyone's opinion. VJ, just real quick, brother, where do you? What, what are your opinions on the smaller project? What, what are you expecting uh, the coalition to deliver? Um, I, I think um, I'm not as uh, hot on Gears of War as everybody else, but I mean, I <laughs> my, my sort of uh, I've played the games and I really enjoyed them. And most of my education on Gears comes from Stubbs Gaming because we seem to discuss Gears every week, even if it's not a topic on the agenda. It's just like you just can't get away from it. Um, and for me, look, I played uh, Gears Five. Uh, my thoughts are aligned with with Pong, um, and I played Resident Evil Eight. And just recently, actually, which is kind of helps in this discussion a little bit, but. I would like to see Gear Six, or if it, if it's a sequel to or, a, or an expansion of um, um, Hive Busters, that they perhaps invoke, you know, the uh, the some of the environmental details or the look and the feel, the atmosphere and the aggressive enemies and how they've been rigged and animated to move and behave. It's it all just culminates in building s- so much tension and trepidation, and even with a maxed out bloody magnum i didn't quite feel comfortable right i was still let's just say i was still on my guard so i think i think everything is a possibility you see so i guess the question that comes to mind right are xbox of the mind to support coalition to the hilt not that they aren't but i guess i mean in terms of how important is the gears ip how important is it to keep it in the public eye right and um and and how frequent should it be? And for me, it's also about the coalition who are, as, as uh, Mav was saying, a, a premier developer. Right? I've really come to sort of love that studio and how important it is for them to build good games so that they continue to release product, but more importantly, build intrinsic value in their IP and the studio brand, right? And when I'm talking about Xbox's support for the studio, should it be supported? And it's a question, and I don't know the answer, so I'm asking you, right? Should 
Xbox support the coalition to expand, evolve, and create the products or the, or the projects that they want to create, whether it's Gears or not, to the degree that they support Halo and 343, right? So, and they've got the money to do so. That's, that's not in question, right? And especially if, if us, the panel and the, and the chat and most people online, right, hold the coalition and the games that they make in such high regard. Um, and at the end of the day, boom, creativity, time, resource, those three things resolve most issues, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to have more gears and sit in that camp. At the same time, I'm with Pong Greenlighting something new that every stakeholder up and down Microsoft um, management line and, and divisions sort of across horizontal and vertically, shall I say, that everyone's integrated, right, and, and, and on point and in sync and um, – and then go ahead and greenlight a project that perhaps we haven't heard of or don't know about, right? But the studio and everybody else is on board with and the studio is passionate about with. Again, I have no issues with that, uh, with that at all, right? It's, for me, it's just I just want to see the coalition do well. Yeah, I, I, again, a great, great, great uh, point with the coalition. And I, I agree with you. I think you and Pong are on, on, on page one for that for sure. Real quick, before we move on to the final topic of the of the, the evening, I would say the night, Jerome TJ drops a couple of super chats of $5. And the first one, he says, if I'm Phil Spencer, I get Platinum Games and Capcom. Have Capcom be in charge of Platinum and Tango or get Bandai. I Listen, I they're not doing anything until this deal with uh, Activision is done. I think they may add some studios, but publishers, um, the Capcom would be another, another expensive one. That's that's probably going to be around uh, seven, seven to ten billion potentially. Uh, that's going to be a big one. Uh, that's pocket if, change for you. What's that? I was saying that's pocket change for you. Oh yeah, sure. I I, I got I I got boatloads of it. I, I, I'm just gonna start burning cash. I have so much money. Uh, <laughs> real quick, uh, Drawn TJ's other super chat of five dollars says they need to make more. They need to make a third person Halo. I wouldn't be dis- I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I'm I I love Halo. I love what it is. I listen. Halo Infinite is such is in such a great place for the single player that I cannot wait to see what they bring to the table. The multiplayer has you know dropped off a bit for some people. I still think it's amazing. They need to continue to add content. We, we will see what what that uh, what that becomes. But Pong, we we, we got to jump right into the big topic of the show. What we've advertised and 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 this 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 whole ideology of Xbox needs to answer uh with an with their own nintendo direct uh style uh presentation comes the way of our very good friend of this program friend of the community miles dompierre who writes for windows central and he posted an article that i thought was so engaging and so thought provoking that it was worthy of headlining today's show pong look here's the thing microsoft currently has over 50 games in active development, and at, and of all the fifty games, there are there are, are, are all stages of close to being released. Some in the in, in pre production that may never see release. Regardless, that's a lot of games. And one of the things that we've seen uh, Nintendo do to unbelievable success is let their fans know that even though the game isn't available today. It will be available tomorrow. They, th- them like Sony, sell hope to their consumers. And I'm not throwing Microsoft under the bus here, but we have to call a spade a spade. Inside Xbox is not the answer. And that is why we have seen it go to the way of the Dodo. 
the question that he posed and the question I posed to you and the entire chat, as well as the panel, is how do you fix Inside Xbox? Because I really do like what Nintendo does. They show us some of their first-party greatness, even games that we're not going to see potentially for a year. They throw some indies in there. They throw some maybe third-party stuff in there. You get 45 minutes, you walk away satisfied, and you're running to your Switch to download the newest demo or game that's in there in, in the form of an indie. This is something that we, I, we've seen uh, Sony do to great success recently with their... They're, they're one takes. They did it with Ratchet and Clank. They did it with Horizon. They did it with recently with uh, Gran Turismo that's coming out later this year. But Microsoft seems to be, let's say they're coming up short in that area. How do you fix this? <laughs> I think Miles uh, took a little trip in the time machine and may have gone back through your library of shows, Boom. And right around the time of the ZeniMax deal uh, being completed, I brought this exact point up and we had discussions about it on multiple shows. Yep. That this was going to be a key going forward for Microsoft and Xbox was making sure that with all of these studios, all of this content now being made, how they were going to manage the marketing aspect of it how they were going to make sure that they kept these games in people's minds and kept them fresh. And so that, that maybe some of the titles weren't lost in the shuffle. And, uh, you know, at that time I had brought up Nintendo directs as a great way of doing that because it is going to be something that they do have to manage. Uh, it's something that the, a, a spot they have not been in before. Right. So, you know, with, with, the past, you know, at one point, you know, five studios or whatever it was, look, they, they were trying to find content to actually show off. Now you have this smorgasbord uh, of content that's going to be eventually dropping. Sometimes, you know, one AAA per month is going to be not out of the question. So how are you going to make sure that you're putting the spotlight on these games and making sure that people realize, hey, they're coming hey, here's an update, look what's been going on. So I believe that you have to have a mixture. Uh, still focusing on one big time each year, or two big times each year, like an E3 or an XO. Uh, you know, the Game Awards has obviously become a major spot for Xbox as well. Having those big shows is great, and it's fantastic. And you definitely uh, want to take something like a Starfield and really give it its all during those show showcases, those big spots where millions of people are watching at one time. But I really think it's time that Microsoft and Xbox go back to the drawing board here and really figure out uh, a smaller show, a smaller venue like a Nintendo Direct, um, you know, like, uh, you know, and making sure that some of those games that are coming out soon are spotlighted and saying, Hey, remember this game that we talked about a year ago or two years ago? Yeah, that's coming. You know, maybe you guys haven't seen it lately. Here's a little clip of it. Get that hype train rolling for those specific titles with a smaller show. Because if you start to do this right, and again, it's not going to be out of the gate per se, but if they came up with a great format um, and started introducing it, 
and making it a regular thing. Because again, with all these studios, we're not even talking, we're talking about before even the Activision Blizzard deal uh, is approved. They have so much that they could realistically plan out and have scheduled these smaller in-between shows and still have, no matter what, at the end of the day, know that they have content to put in those shows. And if you get your audience, your fan base, and the greater video game mind share, right? And you get the, the people who drop into Sony's show, State of Plays, or the Nintendo Directs, even if they're not, per se, part of that fan base. Like me, I jumped into Nintendo Directs all the time, just try to see if they're going to finally you know, do something for me. And this last Nintendo Direct actually got me excited, even though I don't own a Switch right now, right? And I had no plans. I haven't owned a Nintendo outright since Super Nintendo. My kids have had Game Boys and stuff, but I haven't owned one since Super Nintendo, but it still got me excited. So Xbox could go ahead and create this expectation of these smaller shows, calling it whatever, come up with a great marketing campaign or whatever else, and then go into these shows and start drawing in people from even outside their fan base to watch and say, hey, that's right, Xbox has got that little show coming up. Uh, what's it called? You know, the, the, you know, who knows? The, the X showcase. You know, oh my God, let's go watch. Let's see what's coming out or what maybe we are not aware of. Um, on top of third-party titles, uh, that they may have in development on top of all the indies that they have in development. I know they've got their idea at Xbox shows, but those are massive, usually generally big shows. And a lot of those smaller titles get lost in all the commotion. So again, spotlighting upcoming titles that are, you know, soon to be coming out is something that I think Xbox could do. So I'm all in favor of this. I think you go with a mix of big shows and little shows, but I think you make it regular. I think that's going to be the big point. Make it regular so people come to expect these little shows coming out, whatever you're going to call them. And I think that that's where they should go, uh, especially coming into 2023 when we know this avalanche really gets started. 2023, 2024, 2025 are going to be gigantic years for Xbox. So get them going this year. You know, I'm not saying tomorrow, but I'm saying later, you know, before the summertime, before E3 time, even though we're not really having E3, we're still going to have stuff around there. Before then, let's say April, get a show, have another one in the fall, get people used to the idea. Then coming into 2023, really ramp it up and maybe have three each year on top of your big shows. Uh, yeah, boom, I'm all for this. Miles did a great job of breaking yep. it down now. And uh, really love the article because, again, I talked about it last year right here. Uh, this was definitely something that I think they need to look into uh, and will be beneficial for everybody involved. So go for it. Listen to Miles, Xbox, since you didn't listen to me last year. Listen to Miles. He's got yeah. the right idea. Let's do it. 100%. Uh, Mr. Joanna Dark, let's get your, your final opinion on this. Uh, what does Microsoft need to do? to get people excited that show a is releasing because everyone seems to stop and listen to when Sony does a show uh, specifically when Nintendo does a show. Cause you don't know what you're going to get. Are we getting the Metroid prime trilogy? Are we getting a release date for breath of the wild two? Or what, when's the next Mario Odyssey? Everyone's always wanting to know what N Nintendo is going to do next. Microsoft needs to find a way with the amount of studios and IP that they have working, they need to get the fan base excited, even outside of what's coming in the next six six to 12 months. You know, sell hope a little bit. Uh, and, and I don't think showing a trailer for something that we didn't expect wouldn't hurt the argument either. What, what are your thoughts? 
bring on the Xbox Game Pass showcase. I'm terrible at naming things, but uh, yeah, I think Pong Solo made some good um, points. And I think there's two things, right? Yes, I think we definitely need some shows that kind of give a piecemeals, right, of things that are coming. And one of the things that I, I also want is the fact that um, I think also, uh, I w- in my opinion, I would like Microsoft to also find a way to better showcase their games in the sense of telling me what they are. I think Sony does a phenomenal job, you know, when they showed me Horizon the first time, when they showed me Days Gone, I was hyped. They gave me a nice little vertical slice of what that game was. I think Nintendo does the same thing by showing, you know, getting me hyped, you know, for, you know, Triangle Strategy or Mario Strikers. And in addition to having a show, having a show that kind of put the spotlight on the game, I think one of the things that um, Xbox still does is that it's kind of an antiquated way of kind of just like not showing a lot and kind of leaving you to just know that, hey, when you get the game, you're going to enjoy it. And I think that's another thing that maybe they can learn from, you know, Bethesda or even Activision in not only getting a show that's going to highlight the games that are coming to Game Pass from the first party studios, but also giving us some really good vertical slices that really draws the attention, um, gives us the systems. I think that's one of the things that I like about the state of plays when I get first party titles is that I'm excited because I know what I'm going to be playing versus showing me a trailer and kind of sitting here, like for an example, Perfect Dark. You know, I love Perfect Dark. I loved it in the N64 days. And we're here wondering, what is it? Yeah, it's first person, but what does it play like? And I get it. First time you can show a trailer, but I also think they need to improve in how they, they display their games. And yeah, give us give us maybe, you know, one that's maybe small for smaller games and give us one for like those big AAA bangers where you're kind of getting in there and kind of giving us. And then whatever you have for E3, um, you can go in there and just give us, you know, the big show. But yeah, um, and that's I think that's something they have to figure out, especially now with, you know, eventually when Activision closes and, um, you know, with Bethesda right now, maybe that's something they can start putting together um, once they have something in place. So when they do eventually get Activision, if that goes through, they at least have something to kind of start off instead of kind of waiting till all these companies come together. I mean, uh, fantastic points. And, uh, you know, uh, Mav, I want you to piggyback on that because uh, Mr. Joanna Dart brings up a great point right along with Pong. Uh, if there's anyone that knows the master of shows, well, it's it's God Howard for sure and the team over at Bethesda. They know how to get you excited. They know how to get the fan base pumped for a game. Uh, I don't necessarily know if you give you, you know, you kind of laid the 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 the, the the charge in front of them to say, Hey, listen, besides making great games, uh, we want you to produce shows, but they definitely know what they're doing for you. Microsoft seems that they've kind of dropped the ball in this area because, you know, listen, I love Larry Herb. I love the folks over at uh, inside Xbox, but the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of the stuff that happened during those shows were as people called it cringe worthy. And I don't think people want those uh trap room you know scenarios anymore i think people want to see the games i think they want to get in they want to get out 40 minutes 50 minutes pre-taped get in there get sarah bond in in on the conversation bring matt booty out bring larry herb to present the game you know bring uh you know aaron greenberg or even phil spencer himself to introduce you know a new ip or even the head of said studio what what do you do to fix a problem that they seem to be still having with their shows. 
Yeah, they just need to be able to promote them more. Like, they have this inside Xbox thing where they kind of like, oh, here's what's coming for this month on Xbox or whatever. And then they kind of go through, and it's just like a bunch of montage on trailers and stuff. And it's not really like a, a huge deal, right? People really look forward to a Nintendo Direct, you know? And, and maybe part of it's like, you know, they don't announce a Nintendo Direct until like, the, what, the day before? It's usually you know a couple I mean? of days before that you'll, you'll, you'll get to drop. It's right. two days. So there's all of a sudden, oh, wait, there's going to be news about Nintendo, right? It catches everybody's attention, you know? So everybody's focused in, and then they're ready for that. So they got to get this stuff right with marketing and promotion. And promotion. It's it's also a, a bigger problem now because a lot of the live events have been canceled. Even, like, the other ones that they will usually have, like either South by Southwest or, you know, QuakeCon is a huge thing. That, that Usually there's a lot of stuff from um, Bethesda that lately that's been getting revealed at QuakeCon. I remember that's the first place that they had shown the last Doom game, right? Um, so there's things like that, too, that are, are not utilized right now. Now, going in the forward, those events will be back, right? So you're going to have QuakeCon. You're going to have BlizzCon, right? You're going to have whatever the big presentation they put together. Plus, you're also going to have Call of Duty League, uh, and all of these things all have lots of viewers, standard, right? Like whenever Call of Duty's on, it's easy fifty thousand uh, viewers right there for the Call of Duty League, right? They're going to be able to utilize these avenues with the esports and all this other stuff as well for marketing opportunities. So uh, don't not think that they're not going to be doing that. They're for sure going to be utilizing every avenue that they have, even as far as Candy Crush, right? They're going to be having ads and promotions in, in mobile games now, which is which is pretty crazy. But overall, I do think they need to have some procedural systematic approach to events because what we said, like Pong said, we talked about this a lot last year, a lot. When they made the Zenimax Bethesda purchase and they had already acquired all those other studios previously, we were like, man, this is going to be a legitimate problem being able to try and figure out ways of showing all these games. Yep. You know, uh, that we talked about it on our show, on our channels. I know we talked about it on yours as well. It is a legitimate issue to be able to have so much to be able to present it all in a fair way to, to every game and be able to get each game, the, the limelight, obviously E3 has the biggest stage. Those games get pumped up so much, right? But uh, they need to figure out, okay, how can we present, this showcase this month regularly and it's got to be like maybe quarterly like you guys said or may maybe every other month but maybe even more than that realistically yeah. i mean if you go with the cadence of what they have coming uh we talked about it you know you got like 50 projects in the works that's a that's a lot right so over the course of what four years that's about a game a month, like to be able to try and really get big time advertising for. So it, I, I just, I don't know how they're going to do it because no other publisher right now, like that's a uh, platform holder has that issue. Yeah. Right. That none of them do. The only one that has to think about that aspect is, is, is Xbox. So uh, I think they're going to come up with something and you guys are right. Like, like Todd Howard, Pete Hines, those guys are going to do great. Now, also, you can't overlook Activision's marketing team. Yeah, they know what they know a thing of three, right? Yep. 
they, look what they've done with Call of Duty and, and all these things. So uh, maybe you you have separate showcases uh, involving separate uh, teams and publishers that you've acquired. You know that 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 kind of build up over the year um, to to give every brand kind of the, their own identity and independence. You know, um, while still maintaining that branding of Game Pass, Game Xbox ecosystem throughout each one. But there needs to be like at least four of those plus utilize. QuakeCon, utilize BlizzCon, utilize all the esports, utilize the app, all these kind of things. Um, you're going to see more branding and marketing from Xbox than you've ever seen before in the coming years. And that's just because now they own all those things. Yeah. So, Real quick, um, look what Nintendo does, right? They do directs that say focusing on games in this year. Yep. And maybe they can yeah. break up games and then, like Nintendo, maybe give us a surprise of something that may come in 2023, and maybe that can be a way of kind of looking at things the, the and breaking set, them the down. The other th- aspect of that, Nintendo can get away with that, right? Because Nintendo was didn't have much to show for like two years in a row. Yep. Right? And everybody's like still buying Nintendos like crazy. It doesn't matter. You know, they have like one thing drop, and then everybody goes crazy. Whereas if Xbox goes two years without really showcasing much new, they're going to get like criticized like crazy so they i i think nintendo and xbox is like a, a little bit different animals there where like somehow just nintendo gets away with everything but like yeah. this, this nintendo direct was was crazy great because they didn't show us anything for like two years right so um it's going to be interesting to see how they do it but i i don't know if going 100 percent with nintendo's approach will work because a lot of those nintendo directs remember everybody hated all of them until this one Right, like all these other ones. After the Nintendo Directs, everybody's like, "What was that? You know, what was that?" Uh, everybody's freaking out over it. Um, so we'll we'll see. You know. Yep. We'll, see. well, I mean, only time is going to tell. But I think change has to come. Uh, act, uh, the inside Xbox is not the answer. It has not been the answer. No. Uh, it hasn't. It, it, it has it been the worst I've ever seen. No, but it certainly needs to improve. VJ, close out today's incredible new episode of the Xbox Factor Podcast <laughs> with your opinion. What, what, what do you what 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 are your thoughts on uh, on uh, uh, Microsoft specifically Phil Spencer and Aaron Greenberg and the team over at Redmond making big changes to an issue that they have some shortcomings for? I think the first thing, look, I haven't read the article, so please forgive me if I speak out of turn here. Um, I think the first thing you have to do is commend Xbox if they're seeing it as an issue, if they want to remedy the issue, if they want to how can I put aim higher in terms of how the Xbox brand is um, how can I put it viewed on a, on a global perspective, not from the U S perspective alone, then I think you've got to applaud them for that. Right. And um, just to be sort of super clear, I, I'm not any sort of creative marketing person, right. By any stretch of the imagination. Right. And, and there are some, I have to say there are some exceptional agencies out there for this sort of stuff. Right that you only have to provide, you know, a one, a single line, right? And they will come back with magic. And mm. I sometimes look at the games industry because even Sony had took, had some missteps. Even Nintendo have had missteps in their past. This is not, this is not something exclusive to, uh, to Microsoft uh, per se or Xbox, right? Every company has this blip, right? So, and I can only speak from limited experience, but what I will say, anything you do, no matter your sort of walk in life, so to speak, is you should take strides in improving sort of one's appearance and and presentation because it counts for a lot, right? And even if it's not sort of 
calculable or tangible at the time, right? And I remember sort of older marketing VPs and older marketing directors and so on and so forth that that just knew that they had good game, they knew it would sell, you know, the numbers would be there and they just wouldn't push themselves, right, to invest in terms of the intrinsic value, the long-term intrinsic value, right, of of what brand building actually does, right? And sort of, again, you know, it, it, presentation is key, whether you're, I don't know, Pong Sol will probably be familiar with this, right? whether you're turning up for many dates because such a handsome chap, uh, an interview, uh, or if you're meeting a VC <laughs> or... or, or <laughs> Or presenting, sorry, I had to throw in a joke that was just getting too serious. Or, <laughs> if you don't mind, boom, um, a VC meeting or, or, or presenting uh, slash raising the curtain on a new premiere or, or, or a new exclusive, right, in Xbox's case. So, so, but the, the counter to all of this is some people may say, well, what's the big deal, right? Because just look at um, Xbox right now. The engagement numbers are showing 20 million for Halo, 18 million for Forza. So they must be doing something, right? So, but then yeah. again, you know, with my sort of other sort of skeptical hat on, right? I don't know the true nature of those uh, or qualitative measure of such numbers, right? Without more facts, um, but there's always room for improvement and expansion, without overdoing it, of course, right? And and I think it has to be because it's evident. And uh, one one I would say it's overdue and evident, right? Xbox want to improve; they have to improve, and they want to lead the market, right? And I think it's also in terms of I, I can't remember who said it on the panel, but someone just said something that triggered something in my mind. But it's it's also about the the age group with the content that they have, um, and um, can't go without can't go a show without mentioning Banjo for Boom, can you? And um, and then you've got. And you've got the global, the dynamism of the global demographic that they're trying to appeal to, right? So, and I know they've got a lot of content and I don't mind how frequent um, these events end up being, right? Do what you need to do, given the occasion, and given where the development of, the, of our game is. But the quality and the culture and the vibrancy, um, the explicitness of, of an event, it, it just needs to sparkle far more than it does now, right? And and if you look at Sony and Nintendo, right, they invest a lot into their presentations. They're, they're providing guidance, right, as to what works and what doesn't, right? And there are plenty of other industries to evaluate and glean ideas from. And you, you can quite easily go out and list a fantastic agency or two and tap into their creativity, right? That's what you're paying them for, right? And that's what your competitors are doing. Because I know from um, speaking to people at Nintendo and Sony, right, they do very little internally, right? What they are very good at is that they have the vision vision holders, right, that provide the all-important catalyst, right, that one sentence, that those couple of um, uh, slides, right, with the creative vision in terms of what they want to achieve, right? And and if I if I was you know at Microsoft right and I was I was sort of tasked with this and you know I'd go into an agency right and on my first slide would be the quote from Steve Jobs right the only problem with Microsoft is that they just have no taste right and I would set a really tough challenge face it head on and tell the agencies how do we get go how do we go about placing this notion firmly in the rear mirror since it still resides in the minds of many right and that should serve constantly as a reminder, as a proponent to propel you for, forward, right? And a catalyst to push Xbox to the next level and beyond, right? So, um, yeah, that, that's just my take on it. I did have something to say about the cringe. Cringe. Someone mentioned cringe. and I, Yeah, I that was me. I, 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 I mentioned the whole cringe situation yeah, where we've seen it, you know, more times than not. I, I know something of something very, very cringy, but I'm not really sure I should talk about it on this show today. <laughs> well, you know, listen, we can we can always bring it back. But listen, folks, yeah. that is your Xbox Factor podcast for Tuesday, February 15th. We hope 
that we answered all of the biggest questions of the day. We hope that we delivered a two-plus-hour show that you want to check out, you want to help promote, show your friends, tell them about the most positive Xbox show on YouTube right here for you each and every Tuesday. Let's get to the outros, get everyone the heck out of here. We'll start first with Pong. So, Pong, brother, you delivered as expected Please, by all means, sell your own brand. Tell them about Living Split Screen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also, what are the shows that you are frequently on, as well as where could people reach out to you and strike up a conversation on social media? Thank you so much, Boom. What a fantastic show. More topics, bro. And Man, we got was, through them. We yeah. crushed it. Man, we talked about it. A lot of the discussion. Love it. Chat was engaged. Lots and lots of conversation going on there. Appreciate all of you. Mav, Mr. Joanna Dark, and of course, BJ, sir, uh, great to have you here, but it was great to be on the show with all of you. Love the conversations. Real quick, Xbox just announced that Chorus... Horus from DS Fish Labs now has a demo that is live. If anybody out here listening right now is interested in space shooters at all, do yourself a favor, download the Chorus demo, try it out. It is well worth your time. That game. I bought that game, never played it. What a disgrace. Oh, man. So good. It is so, so good. So please go try out the demo. But otherwise, great show. Everybody can find me, Pong Soul, Xbox, Twitter. Guys, know all the drills there. Uh, be there, and then obviously, coming Thursday is going to be PM in the PM Pong and Mav in the PM over on Fun Speculations channel, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 o'clock Central Time, two man show. Unless we have a guest like we had Boom last week. So, if you missed last week's show, please go check it out. We had Great. an awesome time, uh, with Mr. Boomstick there. But that we're going to talk about one, two, three topics. We'll see what comes up this week, but it's normally just Mav and I deep dive in those topics. Check us out there. Friday night's Xbox Ultimate back on Fun Speculations channel, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central Time. The great eight, depending on how many are actually there, but we have eight people, plus Mav always has guests. Always a good time. Come check us out on Xbox Ultimate. Saturday mornings, get those alarms set now so you don't forget. Living split screen. Split screen is all one word. My brother from another, Steel Rain and I, three plus hours. Buckle up. This industry is on fire, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to have rants. We're going to have get help segments. We're going to have exciting times to talk about. Well, we're going to show off some stuff. Uh, he I has great it. footage all the time. So come, please check out Living Split Screen. We are in Mission 1K. We are trying to get 1K subs this year. So bring a friend, show it off, see if they like it. Again, Steele and I are going to talk your ears off, but we have a good time doing it. So please join us there on Living Split Screen, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 o'clock Central Time, 3 p.m. UK time. Otherwise, Saturday night's the Shop Podcast over on PTK Blam's channel. Man, just a great time over there with Fuzzy, uh, myself, PTK, and you never know who else is going to show up on that show. So please drop on in there, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central Time. Otherwise, it is the golden age of gaming. No better time ever in history to be a gamer than right now. All this content coming, it is getting out of hand. Please enjoy it. Play what you love. Love what you play. And I will talk to you all real soon. Great, brother. And respect. Yep. Absolutely. Mr. Joanna Dark, sell your brand, brother. Tell everyone where they could check out your couple of weekly shows that you do. And also, where can people strike up a conversation on social media? Sure. First of all, I want to say thank you. You know, I always look forward to Tuesdays to hanging out with Ponso, Mav, of course, Boxenberger, and you, Boom. It's always a pleasure. And uh, I was happy to have VJ on here as well. And uh, 
kind of have him on the show and give his takes on on some of the news today. Yeah, he's yeah. a cheater, according to Pom. <laughs> he is. He knows too much. He's an he's an insider, right? <laughs> So, so Pong, am I a cheater? Because I may know some stuff, but I can't share. <laughs> yeah, but you don't share it. So you don't whip out all this information on us regular gamers, okay? That's that's what BJ does. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you can find me on Twitter, uh, big underscore N underscore boss. And then you can find me tomorrow on the Crazy Lou Gaming Channel with Xbox International. Yes. Last week, we had the Lila HD, and I, I guess I can talk offline about some of the cool things I learned about Scalebound um, that many people may not know because the Lila actually did an in-depth interview um, that she doesn't have anymore of some of the systems and kind of like the scope of the game, which is pretty cool. Uh, this week I have my uh, <clears throat> co-host from the Nickel Gaming Show, Jazz, coming on there. Nice. Um, so we're happy to hang out with her. And then, of course, on Thursdays I record with Albert and Jazz on the Nickel Gaming Show. And then, of course, Tuesdays I'm here on the Xbox Factor Podcast. But like always, thank you. It's uh, it's always a fun time, like I say. Well, it's great to have you a part of the cast, brother. And uh, we love your hot takes and definitely appreciate uh, you being a part of each show. Uh, Mav, you got a lot going on, brother. Please, by all means, sell your brand. Let's get you past 3K uh, this year. <laughs> I'd love to see you go to five because I think the work that you do is phenomenal. Obviously, you and Caitlin bring a tremendous amount of love and energy to each and everything that you work on together. By all means, tell everyone where they can support your channel and also reach out to you on social media. Heck yeah, man. A fun time today, uh, everybody. Uh, check out on Twitter. Fun speculation. Also, YouTube, fun speculation. We have a multitude of shows, as Pong was breaking down a few of them. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have a really crazy fun pop, uh, which is where we talk about movies, TV shows, and games. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of fun stuff regarding the uh, some of the Super Bowl commercials, the Doctor oh, Strange, man. and yeah. the uh, some of the dc stuff that's going on you know we got to talk about the batman too because it's coming around the corner uh wow yeah we're gonna have a lot of fun tomorrow night on fun pop um, but also check out like pong said pm and the pm we're gonna have a lot of fun there me and him deep diving on some stuff friday's xbox ultimate podcast at 9 p.m eastern we have a blast on that show it goes crazy sometimes and then saturday is fsp fun speculation podcast with my uh good buddies key and fuzzy belvedere so Come check us out on Fun Speculation. You may see me playing games or just want to come hang out and say hello. Uh, take it easy, everybody. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here, brother. I definitely appreciate that. And last and no way least, the newest member of the Xbox Factor podcast on Tuesdays, VJ. By all means, brother, tell everyone where they can reach out to you on social media, but more importantly, find you on other podcasts, talking the talk and walking the walk. Um. I think I have to concur with Pong, right? Cheaters should be uh, hung, drawn, and quartered. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I, I wasn't on Twitter uh, before I started podcasting, and I don't have a channel or, or make content, but I love appearing on other people's channels. So what I would say uh, to everyone listening is that I highly recommend you follow Boom in the panel. Um, and uh, But if you do want, or if you can stand more of me, you'll find me on Midweek Gaming tomorrow over on Stubbs' channel. And uh, sorry for sorry for pushing over the time limit, boom, with my uh, not at all, brother. Listen, this is a conversational podcast, and we love the detailed hot takes as always, because again, we get we're we're privileged to have you on the show that we get the behind the scenes uh information and experience that you know maybe some other shows don't have. So we are we're thrilled to have you a part of the show. Thank you for being here. Listen, folks, I want to thank 
the near 400 people we had here today. That is big for a very small show. Of course, I want to thank the incredible amount of generosity shown through the Super Chats. Those help this channel grow in more ways than you are aware of. And obviously, as we close out through the year, uh, we're going to be doing some more bigger giveaways, of course, that we end the big bomb during the holidays. And that's not for another couple of, uh, you know, I would say, half uh eight months or so but we we will get around to those big giveaways and we do that with of course channel membership and the super chats that in fact do come in so a big thank you to the uh, the community that continues to donate to double barrel gaming and of course i'm going to close out the show with something that is important to me folks hopefully one day it'll be important to you and that's something that my dad taught us when we were kids and he said son treat others how you want to be treated and also it doesn't cost anything to be nice you live by those rules and i can guarantee you you're gonna have an awesome day so take care everyone and we'll see you next week on the newest episode of the xbox factor podcast